Summer's not here long, so seize the sizzle with Walmart. Find all your faves such as Oscar Mayer hot dogs, Kraft singles, and Heinz ketchup. This time of year is all about living easy and sizzling good food. Whether you're cooking for two or for a houseful, grilling outside makes mealtime simple, delicious, and fun. When the coals are hot, be grill ready with all the best ingredients from Walmart. You actually told a story one time on, I think it was figure four, you saw a legit fight between Pillman and Kevin Sullivan, was it? Uh, Pillman and Sullivan? No. Okay. Maybe I got, I got the... Did you... Somebody, you saw a fight with somebody. Was Sullivan and somebody? You yeah. told a story, but I, I don't remember who it was. Uh. Great research and interviewing skills there, Rob, right? What's up, everyone? This Week in Wrestling History, Season 2, Episode 6. This week, we covered a period of February 5th through February 11th. And in all seriousness, you know, okay, he didn't know Pillman and Sullivan never really had a fight. But it's just interesting because if you think at the time that shoot interview was done with Conan, there are interviews online of Kevin Sullivan talking about Brian Pillman from back in the day. And he praised the shit out of Pillman. So why he would have thought that there was a fight, I don't know. I don't get that. But anyway, we'll get into Pillman and Sullivan a little bit later in this broadcast because a few things did go down this week in wrestling history. And I will tell you, of all the episodes that I have done for the last six to nine months, it seems like this week is going to be the easiest one of them all. Keep in mind, over the years, Royal Rumble had just happened. A lot of storylines are already starting to develop leading up to WrestleMania as far as WWE goes. As far as other feds, you know, we're still in the winter time. And yes, wrestling was a hotbed, especially in the winter because it wasn't too much to do back then. No internet, no social media. But uh, this week seems rather light, but some important moments nonetheless. So I want to get right into it. 1971, very quickly, Pedro Morales defeats Ivan Koloff to win the WWWF championship. And I tell you, you know, I became a wrestling fan as a very, very young kid in 1979. I did see Pedro Morales wrestle several times. And I know most of you out there are aware that at one point he was the heavyweight champion for the WWWF. I think a lot of people don't realize how long he had the belt because whenever you think of WWF in like 60s or 70s, what do you think about Bruno more than anything else? Pedro had that belt over a thousand days. That's three years. You know, when you figure out how much you know time he had this belt, he had it from February of 71 to December of 73. That's almost a three-year run. It's fucking impressive. Nobody ever brings that up. Not a lot a lot of love to Pedro when you look back at uh, yesteryear of heavyweight champions. Honestly, you ever hear any wrestlers really name drop Pedro all that much when they talk about heavyweight champions of yesteryear? Pedro was a monster as far as popularity goes here in the Northeast, especially with Latinos. Now we move to 1981. I love this. This is awesome. Now, I don't know if I uncovered a little bit of controversy but it was this week in 81 that we had a feud between Jerry the King Lawler and Hulk Hogan starting to develop in Memphis. And, you know, this is 81, keep in mind. 
Hogan, obviously, still Terry Boulder, the Hulk, wasn't the phenomenon, you know, the popular icon as of yet, but he started getting a lot of momentum. So it was this week in 81 that he took on Jerry Lawler in Memphis. Now, the funny thing is, you go online and you want to hear it for yourself. Go seek out the shoot interview comments that Harley Race brought up about Jerry Lawler and Memphis. Harley Race tells a very funny story that he had heard that Jerry Lawler put together a video And it's him basically beating all of the big-time players at the time. Andre, the Briscoes, Hawley, just down the list. And he would edit the matches to make it look like Jerry Lawler was untouchable. And I'd rather you seek it out and listen to Hawley tell the story. But the reason why I have to start off this history clip with that is because what you're about to hear, now I, I did organize it a little bit. The Hulk Hogan promo had aired a month or two later on, but I took half of his promo and put it before the match, and then you listen to the second half after the match. It's very important I did it that way for the simple reason that when you hear the highlights now of Jerry Lawler versus Hulk Hogan this week in 81, when you hear it doctored and edited heavily, That's actually how it was aired on TV. So you watch this or you hear this, and then you go check out Harley Race's comments on Lawler. This is exactly what Harley Race was talking about. And it's pretty funny how Lawler was actually afraid to get into the ring with Harley Race at that time. And Lawler has never denied Harley Race's story. Now, here's a little bit of controversy that I uncovered. And I honestly don't know, basically, if Hogan just did double duty This week in 81, it just feels odd because in 81 at this time, Hogan was wrestling for the WWF. In fact, I did a lot of research with newspapers this week because I wanted to see how Memphis was reacting to this little feud that was building between Lawler and Hogan. And as I go through the Memphis papers, I see Lawler this week scheduled to take on a totally different opponent. Hogan is not mentioned in any of the Memphis area matches, cards coming up. However, this week in 81, I look at the New York papers and Hogan is scheduled to wrestle. Tony Atlas, a few others. I check a couple of days later, thinking that maybe Hogan no-showed New York and wrestled Memphis instead. No, I see results of Hogan wrestling this week in New York. But I don't see any results of Hogan wrestling this week in Memphis. The bottom line, what I'm getting at, is that even though the record books and Memphis and Lawler will tell you this week in 81, he took on Hogan. uh, I'm not too sure if that's actually accurate. Yes, the match obviously went down because you could hear highlights of it right now. The point is, I don't know if it actually took place this week in history. But here you go. Here's a flashback to 1981, Jerry Lawler versus Hulk Hogan. Mr. Hogan, do you have any comments to make before we show Let me tell you something. Hulk Hogan not only is the only true champion in the wrestling world today, but Hulk Hogan has the biggest arms in the world, the best-looking face, and without a doubt, always tells the truth. Whenever you hear Hulk Hogan talk to you, I guarantee you, Mr. Sully and Mrs. Barber, you will never, ever, you will never, ever hear me tell a lie. I got rid of that little Igor goof, and now I'm getting down to business. About three weeks ago, there was the most biased piece of film show 
shown the most biased piece of film is shown Hulk Hogan down on his back getting beat by Mr. Jerry Lawler. strategy man oh, and Lawler sidestepped him and threw him in on the ring turnbuckles it right back from the foot and the big arm whipped into the ropes and that elbow put him down hard. Lawler grabs that jaw. Man oh man. Hulk big body slam. I think the Hulk knows. Comes in with a chokehold and the referee says bring it up. Lawler's got him up and puts him down on a body slam. Wheels down the top of wrestling attire. Series of five rights. Trying to break Lawler up, pounding away with that right hand. And Lawler! Letting the Hulk know, regardless of the outcome of this one, he is in a battle. A 
puts the Hulk back into the ropes, and he sags. And Lawler takes over. Hart breaks a walking stick over Lawler's back. says ring the bell so it'll be a disqualification on the Hulk and Lawler he decks Hart and Hart scrambles to the floor into the security of the Hulk Lawler the winner in 14-28 by disqualification now you can see the true unedited piece of film, Mr. Sully. The truth has come out. Hulk Hogan was in control 100% of the time. I may have played a little possum, but I was in control. Now I've got the match signed, Jerry Lawler. I am ready for you. The biggest arms in the world, the 24-inch python, will end your wrestling career. And this time, Mr. Jerry Lawler, this time when I clamp these arms around your waist, in the state of Florida, I've got the match signed. You are going down for the count. And now that I've been on national TV one more time. This show shall go to the highest rating. And yes, Mr. Lawler, never again after I clamp these huge, massive, biggest arms in the world around your waist, never again will you wrestle in the state of Florida. <laughs> what do you think of that? Hopefully this will end the controversy surrounding Hulk Hogan and the film, and that's our take five for this week. And by the way, Hogan's manager at that time, Jimmy Hart. That was way before they developed this very close bond. And, you know, we know the relationship with Jimmy Hart and Hulk Hogan to this day. Now we go to 1983. Don't want to get into the whole controversy and the storyline leading up to it. But Dusty Rhodes, who had been suspended, involved in a storyline with Magnum TA and Ric Flair. He was wrestling under the mask, the Midnight Rider. So it was this week in 1983 that the Midnight Rider wrestled and defeated Ric Flair to become the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. And as I have said on previous episodes, Dusty Rhodes, what, three-time NWA Heavyweight Champion? Add up the number of days that he kept that belt. Dusty Rhodes was very, very smart, and he had the wherewithal to know that him pursuing a title was a thousand times more important than him being a champion. And it's sad because a lot of people these days, you know, they get frustrated when someone doesn't win a title. And sometimes that person is better utilized, better suited, and moreover, pursuing a title than actually winning one. Yes, it's important for that person to win the big prize once in a while. But Dusty, you add up the number of days he had the title, very, very short. Very, very short. You'd be surprised how short. But anyway, the storyline with the Midnight Rider is that we all knew it was Dusty. He talked like Dusty. He looked like Dusty. You know, it was funny to have the commentators and the announcers act like they had no idea it's Dusty. And you have all the heels of J.J. Dillon and others. That's Dusty. So anyway, Midnight Rider wins the belt. And NWA president Bob Geigel tells him, okay, you want to be champion? Unmask. So, you know, it's Dusty Rhodes. He refuses to unmask. And as a result, he has to give the title back to Ric Flair. So once again, here's a title win, heavyweight title. And 
as quickly as you want it, it's gone. But the storyline for the, for the time being of the Midnight Rider was done after this. Because after this, we had a quick promo by Dusty Rhodes under the mask as the Midnight Rider. He basically said goodbye to his fans for now. And he kind of explained why he gave up the title and refused to unmask. And, you know, it's a little bit like a PSA if you think about it. The audio, the audio quality of his promo is Shangada. Very, very, very rare promo. Might find it somewhere, but the audio quality is always horrendous. So here's a very quick promo by Dusty Rhodes as the Midnight Rider following the NWA heavyweight title win saying goodbye to his fans. 60 days or so ago when I came to this environment of a promoter's office and I sat down with CWF and signed to wrestle, the Midnight Rider knew that he couldn't let him catch me, you know. I mean, I was always on the run. And with your love and your help and your uh, whole hearts that opened up for the Midnight Rider within these 60 days have made a man feel proud. And I love you for that. And I'll never forget you for that. And when I'm needed, I'll come again. And I'll ride again because they'll never catch the Midnight Rider. The world's heavyweight title belongs to the Midnight Rider. The Night of the Mask. Ric Flair was pinned in the middle of the ring. And people have asked why the decision to keep your identity. Well, if you don't keep your identity, if you don't keep to your morals, or you don't keep to something that you put your head strong at in this life, then you ain't much of a man. And I said they'll never know the midnight right of identity. So now I leave you. But in my heart, I'm a better man for knowing you and loving you. And the Midnight Rider will always rise because I can't let him catch me. I can't let him catch the Midnight Rider. I say goodbye to all my little buckaroos. Now we go to 1988. Highest rated wrestling event ever to air on television. WWF aired the main event. I believe it was on NBC TV. It was the first primetime wrestling show on network TV since 1955. You know, everybody always thinks Saturday night's main event. That wasn't primetime. That was later on at night. So this week in 88, they have their first primetime wrestling show in 33 years. It turns out to be the highest rated wrestling show to this day. Did a 15 rating and had 33 million viewers. When newer fans shit on Hogan versus Andre from back in the day, keep in mind that the big focus on this event was Hogan versus Andre once again. You did have Randy Savage versus the Honky Tonk Man that was on television. And by the way, we'll talk a little bit about Macho in a little bit. Um, but still, this week in 88, WrestleMania 3 already went down. 
Hogan versus Andre, that feud was starting to dwindle down a little bit. uh, Andre getting in worse health as, you know, his body's starting to break down. Yes, he had the tag team title run with Haku, which would come up not too long after this. But still, an important match that took place. Now, this was riddled in controversy because not only did Andre end up winning the WWF Heavyweight Championship, he actually handed the belt over to Ted DiBiase. And by the way, for those that are curious, Ted DiBiase did wrestle at least one or two house shows wearing the WWF Heavyweight Championship. He was announced as the WWF Heavyweight Champion. You probably will never see that footage on the network because you got that pedophile Mel Phillips introducing him as champion. And Mel Phillips, you know, you can leave Benoit in there, who's a murderer, but Mel Phillips, you can't have any sign of him whatsoever on the network. And I totally understand why it's almost impossible to eliminate Benoit because, you know, a lot of the Attitude Era and in that period, you can't escape it. At some point, somewhere, you start really doctoring footage and you just, it screws up the whole Radicals thing, which we will get into t- this week as well. You just had to keep it. But the Mel Phillips thing, you know, would you even pay attention of Mel Phillips announcing a match if you, di- if you didn't know anything about his decision? I don't picture anybody listening to that and saying, who's that person announcing in the background? Oh, let me do a little search on it. You know, you know what I mean? I think it's a little over the top, but anyway, not only did Andre hand over the belt to Ted DiBiase, but we finally got introduced to Earl Hepner, the twin of Dave Hepner. And, you know, it was a lot of controversy because they're standing next to each other in the ring and Hogan looks confused. Like there's two, two referees that look identical. They're identical twins. And the thing I always get a kick out of from this time is when Earl Hepner, who was the evil referee, he's the one that screwed Hogan in this. When he punched his brother, Dave, and knocked Dave out of the ring, the crowd popped. And if you think of storyline stupidity, why the fuck are you going to pop, you know, because the evil referee knocked the other one out? Because they were confused. They were confused. They had no idea who, which ref was the right ref and which ref was the wrong ref. And yes, Dave and Earl aren't exactly identical. If they're side by side, you could figure out who's who. But I just always laugh at the crowd at that time because they should have booed Earl knocking his brother on his ass. But anyway, let's flash back 1988, the main event, Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant for the WWF Championship. Just uptight. I mean, he is really ready for this. The 
you. Also, I like I like the giant style. He stayed cool. He stayed calm. Hogan's been in total turmoil. Hawks are ready to go. Well, wait a minute. I think Andre now. For the last minute, word of advice from Ted DiBiase.
I don't get out of the mouth. 
official. Dave Hebner. What are you talking about? Official. He just did the match. How could he not be an official? Other matches from that night that aired on TV, you had Randy Savage defeat Honky Tonk Man, who was the IC champ at the time by Countout, and Strike Force, which was Rick Martell and Tito Santana over the Hard Foundation to retain the tag titles. Now, that match was still in progress when it went off the air. On the WWE Network, they actually do air the match in its entirety. For those who were live in attendance that night, they got to see Demolition over Billy Jack Haynes and Capitera, Ron Bass over Coco Beware, the British Bulldogs over the Islanders, the Ultimate Warrior over Sika of the Wild Samoans, Hacksaw Jim Duggan over the One Man Gang. 1989, AWA, just about done, sad but true. They had to crown a new heavyweight champion. Jerry Lawler was the AWA heavyweight champion. However, because he was unable to uh, defend that title and Vern wanted, he's done a lot of interviews about this. You could check it out online, but because of commitments and how Vern was basically insisting that Jerry Lawler take certain dates, Lawler could not defend that title. Uh, I believe Zabisco stripped him and I, sort of embarrassed Jerry Lawler on TV. So Jerry Lawler did not send back the heavyweight championship right away. So when this week in 89, they decided to crown the new heavyweight champ, which ended up being Larry Zbysko, they didn't have the heavyweight title. So when you see Larry Zbysko holding a title up in the air, it's actually the AWA TV title. It's amazing that AWA only had one heavyweight championship belt at that time, but Here's what's confusing about this. To determine the new heavyweight champion, they decide to do a battle royal. And, you know, battle royal, over the top battle royal. You throw someone over the top, they're eliminated. For some reason, during this match, the referee is now trying to count pinfalls. And um, you, you could hear it for yourself. It was just total disarray. You know, the participants in the battle royal, you had... um. Akio Sato, Steve Ray, not Stevie Ray, Wayne Bloom, Mike Enos, Derek Dukes, Tommy Jammer, Pat Tanaka, Paul Diamond, Tom Zink, Ken Patera, Greg Gagne, Ricky Rice, Larry Zabisco, Manny Fernandez, Sergeant Slaughter, Wahoo McDaniel, Colonel De Beers, and Mike George. I don't think I'm leaving anybody out. But um, yeah, listen to the match. And after that, you'll hear an interview that Bill Apter did with Larry Zabisco, who was the new heavyweight champion and after you hear the match i'll share with you another funny tidbit it was just a mess on television lee marshall and ray stevens and fans there has never been anything like this in the world all these men in the ring at one time whoever is the last to go out will be the new heavyweight champion of the world and i know ray you wanted more than anything to probably be in there tonight with these men an opportunity to have the greatest prize in all of sport the awa championship of the world well that's what it's all about and this is the first time 
in the history of wrestling that they've ever had a battle royal. To determine the winner is going to be the world champion, and the reason for that is because they stripped Jerry Lawler of the title. That's right. You've got Tom Zink, Wahoo McDaniel, Tommy Jammer, Mean Mike Enos, Steve Ray, Greg Ganya, Larry Zabisco, Manny Fernandez, Colonel DeBeers, and there's the old rivalry heating up right away. Sergeant Slaughter and Colonel DeBeers. Ringside, that's Ricky Rice along with Wayne the Train Bloom, and down goes Rice. There's Diamond Dallas Page. He's got three men in the ring. The tag team champions of the world and Colonel DeBeers. And knowing Diamond Dallas Page, I think he would love nothing better to walk out of here tonight with the tag champs and the heavyweight champion of the world. Oh, there's no doubt about it. That would be great for him. Tanaka and Ganya going at it. Headbutt by Tanaka. Another headbutt in Ganya's reeling. You know, uh, I've been watching here at uh, the Bull, uh, Manny Fernandez. Every time he gets a chance, he's sucker punching Wahoo McDaniels and then leaving. Oh, I know it. I know it. I'm also not that surprised by it. Tom Zink's got Paul Diamond. Ricky Rice is out. Halfway out, Tom Zink. Colonel Beers has got... Oh, man, what a clothesline by the living legend, Larry Zabisco. And he sent Steve Ray for the big ride. Zink's got a hold of Manny Fernandez right in front of Diamond Dallas Page. Boom! Fernandez into the turnbuckle. And it's Colonel Beers and Sergeant Slaughter. Slaughter right into Beers' head right into the turnbuckle. Akio Sato over the top rope. Diamond Dallas Page has got a hold of Derek Dukes. That's Wahoo McDaniel. McDaniel is out. Andy Fernandez putting out. Oh, man, he's got to love that. He's got to love that. Tanaka locked up now with the living legend Larry Zabisco. Mike George and Tom Zank. Andy Fernandez is gone. Mike George just thrown over the top rope by Tom Zank. You got Pat Tanaka, Greg Ganya, Tom Zink, Sergeant Slaughter, Larry, the living legend Zabisco, and Colonel DeBeers left in the ring. Zink and Zabisco gonna square up. DeBeers still trying to put Sergeant Slaughter out. Zabisco's in trouble right now. He is. Here comes DeBeers. Oh, what a vicious headbutt by Tanaka into Greg Ganya. Now DeBeers has got Tom Zink. Slaughter locks it up now with Pat Tanaka. And you've got Larry Zabisco and Greg Ganya. Zabisco and Ganya. Slaughter and Tanaka. De Beers and Tom Zink. Tanaka into the turnbuckle head first. Zabisco's got a hold of Greg Ganya. He's gone. Ganya is gone. Oh, man, did Zabisco dump Ganya. Sergeant Slaughter, Colonel Beers, the Sensei, Pat Tanaka, Larry Zabisco, and Tom Zank. Headbutt by the Sensei, Pat Tanaka. Clubbing right hand by Larry Zabisco. It's Tanaka and the Sarge. Right hand by Tanaka into the side of the face of Sergeant Slaughter. Tanaka misses. He's gone. He's gone. Slaughter takes Tanaka out. Now Zabisco's got Slaughter. In the meantime, Tom Zink in there with Colonel DeBeers. DeBeers, he put Zink through the second rope. I'm not sure that Zink went over the top. I don't think so. I haven't heard an official word yet. Zink might be out. I'm not sure. In the meantime, Larry, the living legend, Zabisco, Colonel DeBeers, G.I. Joe, America's hero, Sergeant Slaughter. What a heads-up move by the Sarge. Oh, oh. almost got DeBeers. He oh. got him that time. DeBeers is out. 
Kurt. And now it's Kurt. No, I guess no. You're right. Zink was not eliminated. Zabisco puts Slaughter out. Zabisco thinks he's won it. He's still got to deal with Tom Zink. It's Tom Zink and Larry Zabisco. Tom Zink and Larry Zabisco. Yerusha for the count, only a two. As you heard Larry Nelson say, Slaughter's eliminated. Vertical suplex by Tom Zink. The last man to stand is the heavyweight champion of the world. It will be either the living legend, Larry Zabisco, or Tom Zink from Phoenix, Arizona. Atomic drop by Zink, and down goes Zabisco. The cover, two, kick out by Zabisco. Oh, man. Well, I'm telling you, Zink's taking it right to him right now, and they're both tired. You know they got to be tired. Oh, what a body slam. Oh, man. Count it. Just got the count of two. Off the ropes comes Zink. Ooh! Right there showing you, you can never blink your eye when you're in there with the experienced veteran like everybody in this battle royal this battle royal has been fantastic i'm telling you it's been a hall of fame match from top to bottom when the whistle blows everybody goes and they sure have right from the beginning of this match and it's boiled down to this fans tom zink and larry zabisco there's bill after senior editor of pro wrestling illustrated of course he's here chronicling this historic event Two clubbing right forearms by Larry Zabisco. And now Zink's in trouble. Zabisco's got him up for the slam. Boom! No. Down for the cover goes Zabisco. Two kickoff by Zink. Boy, both Zink and Zabisco have gone to a couple of two counts already. And they've got the white man in there with Gary Darusha. He's your third man in the ring. Zabisco for the cover. He's on his toes. Kicked oh. out by Zink. Whoa, man! You can see this is taking its toll on both of these men. It sure has. Look at Tom Zink just gasping for air. And I guarantee you Zabisco's not a lot better off. Pile driver! Oh, man! Zabisco for the cover. He thinks he's got him. No! Head over the rope. Head over the rope. Zabisco can't believe it. He can't believe it. Zabisco having words with Gary DeRusha to the right of your screen. That's Bill After. What a great man. I'm so proud of him for being here covering this great event. Right hand by Zink. Right foot into the midsection of the living legend. Into the ropes goes Zabisco. Here comes Zink. Nobody home. Whoa. What a break for Zabisco. What they're going after. This is turning into a tremendous match. The last two men in this battle royal. Zink again saved himself. Good thinking on Zink's part. Zabisco can't believe it. The living legend all over. Tom Zink. Reversal by Zink. Oh, face first goes Zabisco. I'll tell you, Zink's needle might be on empty. This would have been a great opportunity for him to cover Zabisco. Well, after what they've been through, you can't expect everything out of them right now. I'll tell you what. They're going on pure instinct and guts right now. I'm telling you something else, fans. You're not going to see action like this anywhere else but the AWA. You want the real deal. Oh, oh. the right place. Oh, no. Zabisco right into Gary Darusha. Darusha's out of the ring. Got kicked by Zank. Uh, Zabisco's down. Zink's got him. He's got him. He's got him. I don't even see Gary Darusha. There he is. There's Darusha. One. Two. And... Oh, he lifted that left, right, left shoulder up. He's just doing it on pure instinct, Luke. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. I 
thought for sure Tom Zink was the new heavyweight champion of the world, and he might well be now that Gary Darush is back in the ring, because Zabisco is rocked. Oh, what a suplex. Whoa, he nailed him with all of it. Zabisco could be done for right here. Zink's got to cover him. One, two. I'm going to tell you what, Zabisco's saving his energy. He's just lifting that shoulder. He's not trying to kick out of there. I don't know where he's getting the energy, but that's all he's got to do is get one shoulder up. Zabisco's managed to do it twice so far. Into the ropes goes Tom Zink. Shoulder tackle by Zink, and down goes Zabisco. Vertical bow! Zink's over the top rope. Right there is your winner over that's the top it. rope. That's it. Darush is calling for the bell. That's your winner. Absolutely right. Zink over the top rope. The new heavyweight champion of the world. The living legend from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hello everyone, this is Bill Apter from Pro Wrestling Illustrated Magazine. Just got done the Battle Royal to determine a new AWA champion. I just photographed the match. Larry Zabisco beating out Tom Zank at the end. The champ's working his way toward our interview area. Larry Zabisco, congratulations. Larry back in the ring. Boy. Larry? 14 years you've been after a world title, you finally realized your dream. AWA heavyweight champion. No. First of all, congratulations. Thank you. I knew this 14 glorious years ago. You know, when I first met Bruno San Martino, the very first day we trained together, I knew I was as great or greater than that man. Okay, you know what my secret is? I am a product of all the best professional wrestlers that ever were and that ever will be. I was trained by Bruno, by Strongbow. I could name names of people that you don't even know. They're the ones that made me a champion. What about the and people you know now what? that are going to try? Let me tell you something. That? I'm not done with my story yeah, yet. So. You know it. And I want it written. You know, I've overcome since I, I began as as a rookie of the year. And the man that I trusted the most in my career stabbed me in the back. Bruno yeah, and you know what happened ever since then? Ever since I retired San Martino, people have been running from me from one promotional group to another federation to another association. But the cream just can't help but rise to the top. I could not help become the heavyweight champion of the world because it was my destiny. I had no choice. Okay. Wait a second. Tom, hold on. Tom Zank is out there, wants to know if he's going to get a, a rematch, get a shot against you because he was the last man in with you. Well, I mentioned some other champions that have ran for me. Ric Flair just spent a whole year running from me. Okay. I'm not a kind of champion like I wasn't a man all the rest of my life that's going to run from somebody. You know, I fly planes through thunderstorms, my own. I look death in the face and I spit in its eye. I'm, I'm like a generation that you don't find anymore. You, nowadays, you, 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 you wimpy society of robotized sheep. All you care about is how white your teeth are, what color your hair is. But you don't know what the hard way is anymore. You don't become a world champion by looking good, by putting makeup on your face, or sticking your tongue out during an interview. You become the champion because you're the best wrestler in the entire world. Now all the federations can make all the claims they want from this day forward, but the reality of the matter is, there's no other champion that can beat me. If you can, my challenge's open. Flair, the other one, any time, any place. If you don't meet me, you're the coward. But to all the federations, you can save all the hype. 
because Larry Zabisco, I, after 14 glorious years, am the major league of professional wrestling. With an exclusive interview right after his victory in the Battle Royal to determine a new AWA champion, this is Bill After from Pro Wrestling Illustrated. We'll see you at the matches. What was so sad about this also on television, you know, you want your suspension to be uh, kept until the match is over, until it comes to a decision. On television, for some reason, they aired promos by Sergeant Slaughter, and I don't remember who the other person was, but they're airing promos of them talking about the match after it happened. And he actually reveals in the promo that Larry Zabisco won the belt. So I, I just, for the life of me, don't understand. If you want Slaughter to cut a promo, why would you cut a promo revealing who won the title and then airing that before the matches on television? So people who had no idea who won that belt in the Battle Royal were spoiled five minutes into the show. I don't get it. I just don't get it. Anyway, 1990, WCW has a clash of the champions, Texas shootout, match results from that night, Dr. Death Steve Williams over the Wild Samoan Savage, Brian Pillman and Tom Zink over the Mod Squad, Basher and Spike. You had Cactus Jack lose to Mill Mascaris. That's a unique match. And I had forgot about it. I watched it. And the reason why I'm not sharing the audio is because it was very lackluster. Very lackluster. It's kind of a fantasy match. Now, when you think about it, at that time, it's a little confusing why they decided to put those two together. You had Norman the Lunatic over Kevin Sullivan, the Skyscrapers over the Legion of Doom, uh, Mask versus Title Match, the Steiners defeat Doom to retain the tag titles. And as a result, Doom had to unmask and they revealed themselves to be Butch Reed and Ron Simmons. And in the main event, in a cage, you had the four horsemen of Ric Flair, Ollie and Arn Anderson over the great Muda, Buzz Sawyer, and the Dragon Master. Now, I only mentioned three members of the horsemen. What happened to the fourth? Well, earlier in the night, the fourth member of the horsemen got kicked out. And... You know, looking back as a wrestling fan, this was definitely designed to bring this person to bigger and better things, start feuding with Ric Flair, and it was a tremendous success. So if you never heard this before, let's flash back earlier tonight, Class of the Champions, Sting, who is a member of the Four Horsemen, is booted out. And uh, I'm sorry, I always enjoyed Ole Anderson's promos at that time. Very, very smooth, educated. Felt like he, what he was saying is something you would say to someone in real life. That's why a lot of the promos of today really, really are the drizzling shits. Because half of the catchphrases and dopey shit they say on TV, you did that in real life, you'd have a whole bunch of people laughing at you. So anyway, let's flash back from Class of the Champions 1990, Sting kicked out of the horseman. There you see the old funker in the ring right there. Hello! I want to say one thing right now that there's two things that's going to be hard to beat in 1990. One of them is World Championship Wrestling because it's here to stay. And the other one is the horseman. All four of them. Rick Flair, Sting, Foley and Arn Anderson. Here they are. Come on out, guys. 
for the man dressed in black. The horsemen are so physical, but they are the elite group in our sport. And now let's go back down to Terry Funk. No, no. I want to say one thing. That you four men are tough. And tough is an attitude. I like to think that I have that attitude. But I know that you horsemen have it. I know that you have it, Oli. Let me ask you a question. You want to just do something and hang on that microphone, or you want me to hang on to it? Let me just say one thing, Terry. When we have an opportunity to get together on national television, we always make a statement. And tonight, once again, the horsemen are going to make a statement. And on behalf of the horsemen, the spokesman, Ole Anderson, has a few words. We want to make sure that everybody all around the country has an opportunity to hear what I'm about to say. And I want you in particular to pay attention to it, Sting, because you're the reason we're here tonight. I want you to know you're not going to be a horseman anymore. It's over. No more horsemen for this thing. Yeah, don't close your mouth a second. I'm going to explain something to you. I want everybody to listen real close, and you listen real close. When Rick called me and called Arn to come in here, it was for one reason. And the reason he called us in here was to get rid of you. But I tell you... Now just be quiet. There's, there's, there's three of us standing here and there's one of you. Just wait a second. One thing that nobody looked for and nobody could figure was when you jumped in and helped Rick against this guy. We held off. A little later in the Iron Man contest, we came in that ring and we were ready to stick your head in the sand again. And as we came through the ring, Rick gave us this, eh, pay attention. Rick gave us that sign and waved us off. You were spared for the second time. And then something that nobody would have ever dreamed could happen, happened when you became one of us, a horseman. And you were a good horseman, no argument about it. You're a great wrestler, you're a tough, strong kid, but you did the one unforgivable thing that we can never forget. You know what that was? When you signed that match to meet Ric Flair for the world title on February 25th, you signed your death warrant. Are you listen now? I'm gonna tell you what, I said to Rick, we all agreed we should just stop you right now, but Rick says, no, no. Now, he helped me one time, we let him live one time, but on one condition. And the condition is this. You go to the promoter, you go to Mr. Jim Ross or whoever you got to talk to, and you tell him that you're going to cancel that contract with this man. Wait a minute, get over here, Pat. You just listen. You're taking it too far. You listen to me, you listen real good. Anybody, even a blind man, can see there's three of us and there's only one of you. We're going to spare your life. You got about two hours to make up your mind what you're going to do. And I'm telling you right now, it's only because of his nice kindness that we're going to let you live right here. 
two hours, you make up your mind, you go tell Ross, you tell everybody in the world on this national TV that you're going to give up that chance at the world title. You understand? Not a chance! Sting, I bought you a little time because of what you've done. Nah, you're too easy. The whole deal is this, you got two hours to make up your mind, and you're no longer a horseman, and if we ever see you again, you're not going to be quite so lucky well, as you are wait tonight. Wait a minute, wait a minute, this make Hey, wait a minute, I want to help Come on! What's sad about this, and a lot of people may not know this, the end of the main event, they were going to do a segment where Sting was going to climb the cage, and obviously this was going to start setting up the feud between Ric Flair and Sting. Doug Dillinger, who was fairly new to WCW at the time, um, you know, basically, you know, he's playing, he's security, he really is. And I guess it was him who was supposed to pull on the leg of Sting to make it look like he's holding Sting from climbing the top of the cage, not to interfere. Well, apparently Doug Dillinger pulled him legit and pulled him too hard. And when Sting came flying down from the cage, didn't even come down that high, he tore his ACL. So uh, Sting added a horseman. And on top of it, tore his knee up so he couldn't even start feuding with Ric Flair right away. By the way, the audio you just heard is from my collection because WWE, they just told, I don't understand why they even had to dub it over, but they did not include on the network the original music of Horseman. I don't fucking get that. They used some really generic, horrible country music. So what you got is the actual footage from that time. 1992, we've talked about this before. Sadly, it's the beginning and the end of Kerry Von Erich on uh, this great earth. He was uh, arrested in Richardson, Texas for falsifying drug prescriptions. Now, I believe he was already suspended for the WWF, and if he wasn't, he was about to be. Um, He was addicted big time to painkillers, addicted to Valium, And because he had run out and couldn't, I guess, get medication from a doctor, he took prescriptions, went to the local pharmacy. I don't remember the name of the pharmacy. I actually was reading some of the police report the other day. And uh, it said when you really read the breakdown of it, but he was released on $5,000 bond, which is not much, but he had a huge problem. And it said because... If you remember, Kerry Von Erich returned to WWF not too long after this. And one of the first promos that he ever cut was talking about how he really wanted to focus and he wanted a positive and life and this and that. 
And shortly thereafter, he got into more trouble and he took his life. Very, very sad. Also in 1992, this week, going to show a little love for Sid Vicious's promo ability. And we got the first ever babyface turn of The Undertaker. First, let's talk about Undertaker. Now, he had been aligned with Jake the Snake Roberts for quite some time. WWF felt it was time to turn Undertaker babyface. You watch some interviews over the years by wrestlers who were around WWF at this time. They thought turning the Undertaker babyface was a mistake. Almost all of them say that. I absolutely disagree. Undertaker was already over with the fans. In 1992, Hulk Hogan and Hulkamania was starting to wear a, a little bit thinner than previous years. So, you know, and remember when Undertaker defeated Hogan for the title, fans popped. It's not that they disliked Hogan, but they were into Undertaker. So this progression in the storyline was fine. Now, yeah, the promo that Paul Barrett did about, you know, beautiful Miss Elizabeth, it's like, all right, you know, it's like why all of a sudden is, you know, you so enamored with Miss Elizabeth. They did that little thing. Remember the wedding reception? They put all the snakes in the gift boxes and they attacked Randy Savage and all that. So, but anyway, this was the way WWE turned him babyface. Simply put, we had Saturday night's main event taking place this week. First off, Roddy Piper retains the IC Championship, defeating the Mountie. And the stipulations pre-match was that Bret Hart would face the winner of Piper versus the Mountie at WrestleMania 8. You had Hogan and Sid Justice over Ric Flair and The Undertaker. And this is where Sid Justice walks off and turns on Hogan. And we'll show some love for Hogan in a little bit. I mean, for Sid Justice, we could show love for Hogan too. But Sergeant Slaughter, I want my country back. And Hacks with Jim Duggan over to Beverly Brothers. And by the way, Slaughter and Duggan were replacements for the Legion of Doom. We have Randy Savage over Jake the Snake Roberts. And on television this week, that's how the card went off the air. Savage had won. He beat Jake. Jake had already gone to the back. We see Randy and Miss Elizabeth walking to the back, goes off the air. However, they kept the footage going. And we would see this ultimately in the following week on television. And it built the storyline. They showed Jake the Snake Roberts in the back, the gorilla position with a chair in his hand. And there's a camera there. And he's basically saying that he doesn't care who goes through the curtain first. Whoever goes through the curtain first is going to get chair bashed. So Vince, you know, playing off that they went off the air already with Bobby Heenan, He's like, if a cameraman could hear me, please, someone, you know, warn Miss Elizabeth, this and that. Instead of saying, you know, somebody take the fucking chair from Jake Roberts, just warn him, warn him. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Somebody's going to get chair bashed. So anyway, Savage, Miss Elizabeth go through the curtain. And I think Miss Elizabeth was the first one to go through the curtain. Jake Roberts is about to chair bash her and Undertaker out of nowhere grabs the chair. And Jake Snake Roberts is like, what the fuck are you doing? And then um, Macho Man attacks Jake. Jake is on the floor screaming. And Undertaker is just standing over Jake. And that's how that segment ended. So we got teased of a babyface term with Undertaker. However, when he did the funeral parlor segment the following week, Undertaker was still getting a big amount of booze. Yes, he was over. Yes, he was popular. But still, for the most part, a heel. So the guest on the funeral parlor was Jake the Snake Roberts, Jake would obviously turn on Undertaker. 
locking the casket with Undertaker's hands stuck inside and Undertaker is dragging the casket while Jake is beating him up and Undertaker is finally a baby face. I thought it worked well. It really did. But if you want to flash back a little bit, here's the end from Saturday night's main event after it went off the air. And then following that is the funeral parlor segment with Jake the Snake Roberts. If you guys in the truck can hear me, thank you very much for all your help tonight, all the cameramen, all hey, the McMahon, tape operators. Thanks for, thanks for hogging the whole show, too, you know. I thought this was one of your worst efforts. I've been one of my worst efforts. Really hey, what's going on? Uh, are you guys still recording this? Are we hot? Hello? If you guys are, are still recording. I hope he got what he wanted. That's the curtain you go through to get to the ring. Tell you something. It does not matter which one of them comes through the curtain. One of them, one of them is going to get this. And I don't care which one. Oh hey, my hey, God! Somebody get some security over there. If, you, if anyone can hear me on the headset, he's going to take them both out. With you one better shot. get somebody over there right now. Right now. Come on. One of you cameramen, if you can hear me, it doesn't matter who you are. Stop this right now. Just on the other side. On the other side of the curtain. Don't let her come through. He's going to be all over. He's going to Shot he took. Savage all over Jake. I can't believe what Jake was gonna do. What a son of a hey, watch it. What's the Undertaker doing there? I can't believe what Jake was gonna do. Where's Elizabeth? Well, this no doubt should be very, very interesting. Jake the Snake Roberts, the guest of Paul Bear. Tuesday in Texas, 
is back on his feet. He's trying to drag the casket. He's trying to get his hands on Jake the Snake Roberts. Undertaker is coming for him. He's dragging that casket. He's got to wait a couple hundred pounds at least. Wrapping up 1992, let me show a little love for Sid Vicious. And yes, it's very easy for all of us to poke fun of Sid's promos in the latter part of his career. And he had some doozies. The most infamous one probably when he was cutting a promo on Kevin Nash at WCW. And he basically says, I'm not the, half the man you are. And Nash is laughing his ass off. Fans realize what he said. And yeah, I mean, Sid, there's video montages on YouTube of all of his botched promos. But I've said this for many years as well. You know, Sid has cut some pretty damn good promos in his career. Some of them very intense, you know, didn't fuck up at all. And I think Sid does deserve a little bit of props for some of his promo ability. And here is a promo that took place the same night from Saturday Night's main event after he walked out on Hulk Hogan in their match between Ric Flair and The Undertaker. Joining me now, Sid Justice. There must be some reason for your actions. You turned your back on your friend, Hulk Hogan. Shut up! First, it's easy. I don't turn my back on my friends because I don't need any friends. And for furthermore, with friends like Hulk Hogan, I need no enemies. Now, I cannot still believe the words that Jack Tunney spit out his mouth and named Hulk Hogan the number one contender to face Ric Flair for the championship at WrestleMania. Because it's simple. All you have to do is open your eyes and you will see the man that's standing here is the number one contender. Now, Jack Tunney, you've already showed favoritism, always showed favoritism toward him. He's a big movie star. Maybe I'm not. I said it once, and I'll say it again. Hulk Hogan, you couldn't beat Ric Flair on your best day. (laughs) And you couldn't beat me on my worst because I am the man that rules the world. 1993, we already know Ric Flair lost the Loser Leaves WWF match on Raw against Mr. Perfect. Well, it was this week in 93 that Ric Flair wrapped up his career with the WWF in the early 90s, wrestled Bret Hart in Germany, 
I'm still trying to get the footage of it. People still to this day claim it was an absolute awesome match. I have watched the first ever 60-minute Iron Man match between the two, but I always wanted to see this match in Germany, so that took place this week in 93. 1996, WCW at Super Brawl six. The Nasty Boys over the public enemy. Johnny B. Bad over Diamond Dallas Page to retain the TV title. For the WCW tag titles, Lex Luger and Sting retain defeating Harlem Heat. Conan over the one-man gang to retain the U.S. title. We had Lex Luger and Sting over the Road Warriors. Ric Flair over Macho Man Randy Savage in a cage to win the WCW Heavyweight Championship. And Hulk Hogan over the Giant in a steel cage match. Now, the match I left out, Kevin Sullivan versus Brian Pillman. It was supposed to take place at Super Bowl Six. It was an I Respect You strap match. Basically, they were going to have a strap match, and the wrestler who tells the other one they respect him is the loser. So, you know, at this time, Brian Pillman developing the loose cannon character was, what, not even a week or two ago that he causes Bobby Heenan to use the F word on television. You know, Brian Pillman's loose cannon. So basically, on Super Brawl, and I divided this into three parts. First, you have the actual match between Kevin Sullivan and Brian Pillman, and this is how it went down. later on against Lex Luger and Sting. What we're having right now is a special added match because of the bad blood with the Taskmaster and Flying Bride. It's a combination of a leather strap match and an I quit match dream yeah. to where there'll be a microphone in the ring when one person says, I respect you, the yeah. match is over. Well, I'm going to tell you what, this one here is loaded and will be out of hand, my friends. Rusty, you know what it feels like. It's bad, isn't it, when that strap gets wet and you start getting beat with it and you start ripping it all across your eyes and your mouth and on the bridge of your nose. Nothing like a strap. No, and there's no place to go when you're strapped together, when you're strapped to another man. No. I mean, I, there's no place to run or hide. Like a bad divorce. A bad divorce. It's a oh, good divorce. A look at Flying Brian. He means business. He is sprinting in the ring. Oh, they, they are going at it. They are not waiting to get hooked up by a leather strap. Oh, my goodness, they got a fight going on here. Well, I, too, I told you it's just going to be Katie by the door right here. I don't know how they're going to get them strapped up, but they are really going at it. Whoa, baby. Flying Bryant trying as all he can to whip Kevin Sullivan, who's just hanging on to it. Kevin Sullivan's chewing his ankle off. This is a Donnie Brook. Yeah. Uh, Donnie Brook is right, and he has got that strap, and he is raking him around the eyes. And Oh, man, let me tell you, respect is the name of the game in this one right here. At Super Brawl 6. Ladies and gentlemen, we haven't seen anything like this in a long time. Oh, oh Sullivan hit him right in the jaw. He hit him right in the jaw and almost knocked him out. And now he kicks him in the solar plexus. And they're not even thinking about a leather strap right now. Jimmy Jett has a wireless microphone. And yeah, I don't think this is what Aretha Franklin meant. you, Booker Man. Oh, he said, I respect you. Thank you. And he walked. And he walked out. And he walked. He said, I respect you, and he walked out. Wow. So Kevin Sullivan, the Taskmaster, will win it. But I mean, for about 45. 
five seconds. We had the darndest fight we'd ever seen. So now, as we watch it, we're all fucking confused. All right, what just happened? You know, yes, people that are smart to the business were like, holy shit, he just shot on fucking Sullivan and walked out. Well, we'll clear that up in a little bit. But people weren't, you know, running to go on the internet. Can you believe what he just did? You know, it was more confused confusion than anything else. So now the match is over. And then all of a sudden, for some reason, Arn Anderson comes out wearing um, a polo shirt, jeans, and like um, golf shoes, no socks, looking like he just did 18 rounds. And somehow this leads to an impromptu match. Arn Anderson, who is not even scheduled on the card, but you know... He looked like he'd been out on the golf course. He was on the golf course today with me. Well, you know when Ric Flair is around, Arn Anderson, the enforcer, is going to be around. So Arn Anderson comes out, and we've got a little problem here. Wait a minute. Now, Iron's always been the voice of reason here. Well, I don't know if he's the voice of reason right now. If he's got a voice, uh-oh. Yes. He's telling, hey, he's saying you put it on. Reason will tell me to get out of the ring. Yes. Oh, yes. Call a cab or take off on foot. That's what I do. Wow. Well, one thing for sure, when Brian Pillman's around, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, well, Iron Anderson looked like he's going to accept the challenge. We're getting two for one right here now. We're getting two respect matches for one. Well, this is the uh, 19th hole for Iron Anderson. He's already played 18 today, and now a strap match. Just like Jack Nicholas, huh? Boy, he's going to town on him too, man. He is going to town on him, Tony. You are seeing a man who wasn't even ready to fight and is fighting right now. Well, that shows you how he feels about the four horsemen. He lives and breathes and dies four horsemen. And he wants to make an example of Kevin Sullivan, and this is just going to be a fight. Well, he's got him tied up right here now. Wow. He has tied up the Taskmaster. You are seeing what has transpired over the past couple of weeks on WCW Monday Nitro between the Horsemen and the Dungeon of Doom really explode before your eyes here tonight. Yeah, Tony, and i tell you another thing right here. You know, or the Horsemen in a situation tonight where where Iron, you know, being the enforcer for the Nature Boy, Reflect going into that cage later on against the Macho Man Randy Savage, and the Taskmaster trying to get his troops ready to take Hogan out, and now they're in the heat of battle right out here, live it in public, if you will, and I guarantee you one thing, this is really pay-per-view television at its best. Did you see the way he grabbed that strap and just pulled back? Looks like he was trying to jumpstart him. Is Arn Anderson going to say it or not? Jimmy Jett just trying to... Jimmy Jett puts his hand in there and yanks it away. He might get strapped too. Yeah, he didn't want to get in that too close. Kevin Sullivan screaming, say it. Neither of these men are going to say it. I'll tell you that. We're going to be here all night. The top corner. We are going to be here all night. You know, you may be right. They're not going to. Iron's not going to say I respect you. Is Kevin Sullivan going to say that? You can knock all his teeth out, pull his tongue out, oh. tie the knot. Whoa! Low blow. Low blow. Low blow. If Kevin was boxing, they would let him get five minutes to rest. What would he say? Uh, he said something or another. If Kevin Sullivan says I respect you, he'll be in a very high pitched thrill right now. Whoa! He's got him hooked up right now. Well, what a brutal confrontation we have had from the get go tonight. From the get-go of this pay-per-view. Listen in. Uh, uh, uh. 
it, Taskmaster. Oh, no! Oh, he's enjoying himself. He's never had a better time. Oh. I think what we got out of that was, oh, no. And that's about all. Oh, you're right in with the Taskmaster. This guy buys his shoes three sizes small just so he can make himself miserable. Art Anderson goes over the top. How does he continue to come back like this? I'm talking about the Taskmaster. I mean, both these guys with so much at stake tonight. And right now, this battle right Hello, here. Anderson. Oh, here we go. Anderson said no. Can you imagine if you say no, it means you're going to get slapped around, strapped around some more. I'd lie. That's what I'd do. What would you do? I'd you. say yes. Bobby, you would have already said no. Yeah, I'd have said it during instructions. Yeah. But as he left the ring, I'd have choked him with that belt, strap, hung yeah. him out the drive, yeah. beat him with a chair, that. and run out of the building. I still wouldn't have gotten beat. We're crying out loud. Oh, this crowd is coming to their feet yeah, right here. Off. Nature Boy Ric Flair is making his way out. Can you believe this? Wow. I know. This man has a title match on the line. I think what he's going to, I think he's going to try to come in here and calm matters down. That's he's exactly, got to. He's got that's to. exactly what he's doing. He's yeah. calling this off. Yeah, he don't need this. In, in a situation, him going for 13, he don't need this. There's nothing to prove here between Iron and Solomon. Right, there's, a, there's a microphone in the ring. Let, wait, wait. Come on, man. Okay. It's you. The giant, the nature boy. Come on, you prove nothing. Let's get at hand what's going on. Said that. And get ready to kick Savage and Hogan's butt. Come on. Stop all this. All right, how about that? That's smart thinking. Hey, nothing can, I good talk can come to of you, this. I'll take your wife home, make a woman out of her. Well, I'll tell you what. There's a lot Come of things on. been said, but one thing for sure Come on, devil. is he laid it on the devil. line, and that's true. Come on, man. Hey, United, we stand. Wow, get out. Divided, we fall. Hogan, it didn't work. Savage, it didn't work. Tonight, right here. He's gone. Yeah, oh. you're not kidding. Ric Flair's gone. He's gone. Yeah, he's Tonight, gone. Yeah. Right I've taken the belt and live now. Come on, Dolly. Come on, brother. Well, Ric Flair on, doing a first, being a mediator. Giant. We're together. We're a team. The Giant. Come Let me on. Tell you something, Sullivan. To get what I want, and that's Hogan and Savage, I get in the bed with the devil himself. He just did, my friends. He just did. And then Ric Flair just turns around and he's like, listen, guys, you know, we got to be, you know, on the same page, higher purpose. We ain't Hogan, blah, 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 blah. I don't know, man. He didn't like the way it went off on television. I mean, the match ended in a minute. Fine. Controversy. Then you have Arn Anderson and whipping each other. And then Ric Flair is just like, no, no, no. End the match. Stop the match. Blah, 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 blah. But at that time, a lot of people thought, you know, Brian Pillman went into business for himself. And to this day, a lot of people still believe that. Well, as we've learned over the years, this was 1000% scripted, went off exactly the way that it was planned. And, you know, again, I poked fun in at the beginning of this show. For some reason, because of how this went down on TV, some people thought that there was legitimate big time heat between Kevin Sullivan and Brian Pillman. And as you will hear right now, five minutes worth of footage, here's Kevin Sullivan talking about Brian Pillman. 
talks about that night, talks about what went down, what was supposed to go down in the near future, and his thoughts of one, in his minds, one of the greatest minds in history of our generation, pro wrestling. How did the whole Brian Pillman angle come about? Brian and I were f- f- pretty good friends. And I used to say to him, you know, you're really intense. You're really intense. And so, As a heel, Brian, Brian was the sluice cannon character that he played. It was more like Brian. I used to hate the f- f- flying Brian gimmick. Hey, you know, with that raspy voice of his and, you know, try to be a baby face. Even though he's a good looking guy, he should have been a heel. Because Brian was a heel at heart. Not a bad guy, but I mean, a heel at heart. Some performers should be heels. He should have been a heel. And one time we were talking, I said, you know, sometimes, the, you know, people will buy anything. I used to tell them about some of the guys in the dressing room years ago when I Florida spit. Nah, don't put a curse on me. He said, do you think, what do you think? And we started talking, I said, if the guys buy it, everybody buys it. And then when Brian and I worked that match for pay-per-view, I had guys from the WWF tell me they bought it just to see me and Brian fight. You know, Brian was, and we, we, we kept it, and Brian, and Brian initiated it, I mean, there was one that would really put it over the edge. Eric called a, a meeting of all the talent in Disney. You know, that's what he used to do. And he was given the guidelines <laughs> of what the guys can do and what can't do because they're universal. And Brian came in late, first of all. So that was right up everybody's ass. So Bischoff wasn't in on it, right? Yeah, he was. Okay. Because yeah, I couldn't have done that without him. Right. So Brian came in late. So he's the only guy coming in late. So it pisses everybody off. And as Eric's talking about the, what can be done and what can't be done, you know, the guys are always murmuring, you know, when there's a bunch of people like that. Brian yelled out, well, does that go for the Bucket Man, too? And he put <laughs> here a pin drop. And Eric just looked at Brian like, you know, you fucking idiot. I turned around and looked at him, he went like this to me, you know. And he looked like he was half the bag, he went, you know, like. And I had more guys, it was a funny thing. I had more guys come up trying to suck up to me, you know, and say, oh, I can't stand that Pillman. You should knock him on his ass. He's such a smart-ass motherfucker. And I'd call Brian, and he'd say to me, they'd say the exact same thing to me. And those fuckers, you know, the same guys told me that he was no good were telling him I was no good. That's great. Yeah. Was there any heat with Bobby Heenan in the management after the incident with uh, Brian and Bobby? <laughs> no, but I'm sure Bobby hated it. I mean, that was another thing Brian did to put it over the top. I mean... Bobby say fuck on TV. Right. I mean, you know, if he, he, you thought he was out of his mind. And the announcers put it over because they're afraid of death of Brian. And Tony Schiaffini had a broken neck. So any time he rolled up, came in here close to him, they were taking the mics off. So if you're in a building and these fucking guys are sitting there for two hours with their headsets on and haven't moved, and then this one fucking guy just takes a bump and they take the headsets off and move back, what do you think that whole 20,000 people think? Right, right. This guy's real. You and Brian ever have to work Eric at all? Fish off right now. Eric and Brian were closer than than Kevin and Eric, so I don't know how much. I I didn't let Eric know as much as Brian let Eric know because they were much closer. Than right, me. they were friends. I wasn't friendly with Eric. Now, what kind of arrangement was made between ECW and uh, WCW for Brian to work there? Uh, I'm sh- probably knew it. Right. Probably was I, I at this period. I we got together, Brian and I, and I said this ain't gonna float. If you don't get the, you get away from here, you know, I mean, there's going to say, you know, it's causing shit. Like I said, guys coming up to Brian on one side and saying, oh, hope you kick the shit out of him. And guys coming up to me saying, hope you kick the shit out of him. 
and Paulie is the only guy I could trust. So, I mean, that, that, that was a real strange relationship. So he was still under contract with WCW when he was yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And the idea was to bring him back when everything settled down? Yeah. So here, here's the thing that was funny. Here's the thing. People always talk about WCW, fucking ECW and all this. Imagine what they would have done if, if I wasn't there to stop, be the stopgate. I actually sent the piece of talent that was supposedly fired from WCW to work for Paul, and I knew that Paul would keep his mouth shut. That's a pretty, pretty strange lesson in history for wrestling the, that I was that close to Paul that I could say do me a favor and that he was that close to me that I would pick up the phone and say because my job was to just to take talent where I said you better get you better prepare yourself how did it work out that he wound up leaving the company that's staying he worked Eric he was the smartest guy I ever saw work Eric at the time Brian wanted to go to he really wanted to go to New York. I think he wanted to break free, and I think he wanted a new start. And I think that he thought, no matter what, uh, I think he felt comfortable with me in my position with him. But he, we had seen so much turmoil in WCW. How, how he didn't know if I was going to be there another two hours, never mind another two weeks. With going to WWF, he knew Vince was the only guy to deal with. He knew Vince would. Accept his talents and accept his great ability, which he did. I said this the other day. Someone asked me in Miami Herald. I think he would have changed the wrestling business. Brian had—I I don't know if you know the idea Brian wanted to do in a Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. Yeah. It's the greatest idea I ever heard. I wanted to do with him. You know, I said I'll come down with you. You know, because I want to steal some of the limelight. Huh. That was the best idea I ever heard. Brian was by far. One of the most advanced thinkers in the wrestling business. But I, it was good for Brian to go to WWF because I don't think... I think if he came back, the politics were getting so heavy that some people would have tried to rub off on Brian, you know, sh- taking some of the shine off of Brian for their own good. Got, maybe gotten to Eric. And, but. Anybody in particular? Well, there was a lot of people that knew that this kid guy was getting over, and, and, and our business is a business of one of survival. You know, people say, "Well, you know, I don't know a guy did that." Well, you're not in that guy's position, so it's it's hard for to me to make judgment on anybody. But uh, Brian, really, you know, he and I think he saw what Cactus did up there, you know, and he saw what Austin had done. So he needed that break. He needed to get away, and I was glad to see him go. I, I glad as a friend, but really. Bad for a talent and a talent coordinator. I didn't want him to leave, though, but I knew it was going to happen. 1998, Monday Nitro, El Paso, Texas. It's the infamous match between Goldberg and Steven Regal. And at this time, Goldberg's an enigma. He's an up-and-coming star. Matches are extremely quick. So to see him have this match with Regal was different. And you could see Goldberg really off his game, and some of it looked pretty rough on television. So over the years, we've heard some contradicting stories about, you know, why this match went down the way it did, uh, just Regal's thoughts on it, Goldberg's thoughts on it. One thing you realize in Regal's latest interview with Steve Austin, he's sick and tired talking about this match. But you go back and you look at it, how Regal thinks of this match and Goldberg's view of it, totally different sides of the spectrum. So we're not going to share the match. You have to see it. 
to understand what went down and the friction that, you know, seemed to be involved with this as well. But what I'm going to give you instead is comments from William Regal and Goldberg, their thoughts on this match and what went down. I think you may find some of this very interesting. It's the match with Bill Goldberg. Right. And everybody talks about it was it was, it was a shoot. Or, oh, God, how ridiculous I mean, because I watched it. I watched I'm, it about sick, two, I'm, three months I get, ago. I get sick of talking about it. People ask me that all the time. Right. So what happened? Are, this is what you happened. don't want to talk about it? We can trim I'm, it out. I'm quite, I'm quite happy to talk okay. about it. I mean, this I don't know what, what happened. happened. This is my side of it. You can take it for what it's worth. Okay. I, I'm not going to. I don't need to, whether you believe me or not. I just come back off a seven-week suspension, right, from when I did the thing on the airplane, when I got thrown in jail in Alaska and all that. Right? So I was on my best behavior. Right. Okay. Who's running things this time? Eric. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I get there, and I am told by the agent, and Bill is there with the agent in charge, to go out and have a six-minute match. Bill had never done anything more than a 90-second match. And the words were, and we both heard it, have a competitive match. Something different, right? I thought it was a competitive right, match. Right. So we go out and go through a few things. Let's get this right. We get out there, and if you watch it, and if you know what you're watching for, and that's what throws me off. The, I'm, I'm glad that people still think that I'm that good, that I can, I, I can make it look like I'm killing people, right, or taking liberties. Um, go out there and... Bill doesn't really, he freezes up, he doesn't know it. So I'm just working around him and that's yeah, all. If, you, look, if I'm telling you, I'm, I'm trying to get him to do stuff and I'm working around yeah. him. I'm trying to get him to do stuff. People say, I'm, I don't hit him any harder than I hit anybody else. In safe places. You were snug, you laid your stuff in, you protected the In safe the places. Yeah, I know, no, I'm down with it. There's no liberty. To, and, it, yes. and any, it's just complete divvy talk when people yeah. go and say any different. And so I'm work, and trying to get him to, you know, come on, but you know, do something, do something. Yeah. eventually, and that's all it is. It's me sort of getting him through stuff, right? Till we, he finally gets it to, and we do whatever we got to do. I come out, and I, I'm Eric comes up and starts screaming at me, and I, and this is my exact words to him. Look, and Billy stood there, and and Bill said to me, "It's all my fault." He said, "I'm sorry," and he seems to forgot about that. From what I, I don't right. know if he wrote his book, I don't. I, I never read it. Somebody, you know, people yeah. always come to you and want to tell you about right. That's the only way I hear about things. Oh, right. such and such said something about you. Such and such said. Sometimes I, I, I couldn't care less. If you don't like me work, I don't care. It, it's like me liking different types of music. Subjective. Subjective, right? I don't care. But if you start personal things, right, sometimes right. it gets to you a bit. Sure. So um, he said, that's, I made him look foolish. How bad does that sound when he said, I made him look foolish? This is a big monster, right? And he's trying to... Be, well, make yourself sound any more silly, right? That doesn't sound good right. because no one should ever. Right. You, you can't let that happen right. as a pro. So, anyway, we come out, and my exact words were to Eric I said, Look, I can't hit myself. That was what I said. I said, I can't hit myself. I said, I'm trying my best to get him to do stuff to me, and he's not doing anything. And he stood there agreeing. Bill stood there agreeing. I look over at the agent who give us these. He was going, who told you? Who told you to go that long? And who told you? I look over at the agent who I'm waiting for him to say I did. Yeah. And he just buries his head in the paper and, yeah. and his papers. And, and I'm that kind of fella. That's just me. I, I probably yeah. saved me a lot of times if I wasn't that way. But that's the way I am. That I've got that. All I've got is my word to me. And that's the way I am. Yeah. And, and I, I just 
I'm not going to, if you don't, not going to say it yourself, I'm not going to say it. I'll take it on the chin like I take a lot of things on the chin. And I just waited for him to say something, didn't. And so, and people think I got fired that day. I didn't. I, I, I got fired several months later. And I got fired because I was a mess. I was I was out of my mind on drugs, you know what I mean? Right, like, right, right. But that wasn't, and after, that was months later when I, I left, obviously. Yeah. Didn't that may have had something to do with it. I may have soured the, the thing, but it, I didn't get fired that day. Right. Nowhere close to it. Right. It was like four or five, five months later, I think, that I, I left. I know how it was in a WWE locker room because some people roll their eyes that were older about a guy going, you know, a hundred, you know, X number of wins and O. How did you see, feel it politically in the WCW locker room where this green kid, you know, has never been beat? You, do you feel the pressure or the angst or the uncomfortableness or are people just taking it for, hey, it's what it is, what it is? Well, I, I mean, I, throughout the process, I felt uh, different stages of it. There's no question. I mean, let's be perfectly honest, Jr. I mean, I was extremely green in the business, and it was uh, something that I I didn't originally aspire to do. I didn't grow up a wrestling fan, so people didn't appreciate my stature in the business because of my quote unquote attitude. But I just I grew up wanting to play football, man. It wasn't my fault that I didn't aspire to be a pro wrestler. It was my fault that I got hurt, and then I changed my attitude and tried to be the best at something else because I didn't have the original love for it. You know, sometimes that's held against me. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe because of ways that I've misproperly eloquated it throughout the years. But, hey, man, I, I, there's nothing that brings more fonder memories than me sitting on my, my grandmother's swivel chair, you know, when I'm eight years old, watching Texas Championship wrestle with her every Saturday night at 10.30. Right. Mid, Mid-South, or, or I, I can't remember where it was. Uh, I can't remember where it was, the, the arena. But, you know, once once people start getting it kind of shoved down their throats, I think with the streak, people would, you know, jump at the opportunity to say, I told you so, and we need to go this way, and he needs to be beat this way, and... You know, the entire time, as evident, more so, I think, in the Stephen Regal match um, that everyone, you know, throughout the years has talked about him trying to kick my ass in it. Um, I, the position that I was in, Jr. man, you know me, I'm just, a, I'm just a good old Jewish boy from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yep. I was so appreciative to be in the spot that I was in. I would let anybody do anything to me out in that ring up to a certain point when I smartened up and I figured people were trying to take advantage of me. Um, my second match, I let, I let Barbarian belly-to-belly belly me from the, from the top turnbuckle, you know, because I trust these guys. If these guys wouldn't do anything, you know, I'm, I'm, putting, I'm helping them putting people in seats. And so I would think that, you know, everybody's best interest is at heart, and so they would want to teach me the ins and outs in a proper way so that we could all make more money. Sure, that's the bottom line. Hey, somebody asked me on Twitter when I uh, I said I'm going to be talking to Bill Goldberg uh, for a future uh, podcast. They said, ask him about the Regal story. And, you know, and I didn't even write it down because I didn't even – I wasn't even aware of what, what the hell they were talking about. And then, uh, then somebody else asked me about it, and I – and and I then I heard well Regal was on Austin's uh, podcast, Stone Cold's got a podcast here on Podcast One, and he said that there's nothing to the story that he didn't try to take liberties with you. What what is this? I didn't. I'm confused. He did. He he did between he and Dave Taylor and 
you know, a couple other the hard asses there, and I respect them for it. That's all good. And, you know, just don't just don't try to take advantage of me on national TV when I'm a piece of clay in your hands and I'll do anything you want. You know, yeah. let me know it. Let me know it's going to be a Japanese match so I can give you some back. Right. Not like so not so I can be led around by a guy who's going to kick me in the freaking head when I'm sitting on all fours. I got you. you know, I mean, I would have loved to have ever had the opportunity to do that one again. But that's that's a prime example, Jr. As to you know, I'm not the, the eternal baby face in this picture, but I'm telling you, man, I would let these guys do anything they want to me because I trusted them. There were guys in the business that were down at WCW during our big run that I looked way up to, you know, even though I wasn't a scholar in the business, you know, whether it be Kurt Hennig or the Steiners or whether it be Nash or whether it be Scott Hall at times, you know, or Jared or Sting or Lex or, you know, all these guys are big boss, man, man. There were a lot of guys with a lot of experience there that I really, you know, immediately just gave them my trust and, you know, thought that they'd lead me the right way. And then throughout the years, I learned, you know, the ones, I learned the mode of operandi up there. Yeah. You know, like, like the NFL, like everywhere sure, else. Sure, exactly, exactly. It's a, when the streak ended, was it, did it end at the right time in your view? And did it end in the right, to the right opponent? Um, I think with all, with, with Kevin being on the booking committee two weeks before, I think it just didn't shine positively, whether it was his idea or anyone else's idea or whether it was time or not. I don't I don't know if his promotion to that position boded well for the future of how people look back on it. But, hey, man, I'm a talent. I don't book shows. I don't make those decisions. I just give I just give a thousand percent at what they tell me to do. So. Um, I, I didn't have an opinion in that. I didn't have a voice in it. I probably could have in years, you know, gone by when I had the veto power in the WWE and still did things that I knew weren't right. Um, it's just the way that I try to pay the business back because of my positively meteoric rise that I didn't feel that I deserved at times and I felt guilty about. 1999, WWF has Raw Saturday night, Toronto, Canada. Basically, at this time, and anybody that was WWF fan in the 90s, you know, we hated whenever the Westminster Dog Show came up because the USA Network would always preempt Raw for the fucking dogs. And, you know, as us wrestling fans, all right, that meant we watched Nitro in its entirety on that Monday night. So this week in 99, we had the dog show once again, and WWF decides they're going to have Raw Saturday night instead. Now, this episode aired only one day before the WWF pay-per-view St. Valentine's Day Massacre, which is still one of my favorite in-your-house pay-per-views, if you really want to call it in-your-house. Just thought it was great. But we got Raw this week in February, 99 on a Saturday. And this ended up being the first ever match that Vince McMahon took part in and wrestled. The dark match, John DeSilva over Joey, Joey Legend, the Acolytes over Larry Brun and Scott Damore, D'Lo Brown over Jeff Jarrett, Gilberg over Goldust, Mankind and Steve Austin fought to a no contest, The Godfather over Viscera, X-Pac over Kane, The Rock over Steve Blackman, and in the main event, you had the Corporation, and it was elimination match 
each member was supposed to take on Steve Austin. And if Steve Austin uh, got a win or was pinned or pinned any of them, the match would be over. So basically what was happening is every time a, a member of the corporation came into the ring to wrestle Steve Austin, they would get themselves disqualified. So the match would continue. The match would continue. You had Ken Shamrock, Test, Kane, China, Big Boss Man. Then at the very end, uh, I believe Boss Man Stick got involved. Steve Austin was laid out. Vince McMahon takes off his shirt, jacked up like no one had ever really seen. I mean, he had his shirt off once or twice before then. But still, jacked up, he actually pins Steve Austin, and Vince McMahon is declared the winner. So it was a very interesting um, Monday Night Raw to see it on a Saturday. And next week, we'll cover the results from St. Valentine's Day Massacre, because it actually doesn't fall into this week's schedule. So now we go to 2000, and I have three or four clips for you, at least, maybe even five from 2000. This week... In 2000, was one of my favorites at that time to be a wrestling fan. It's odd when you remember certain episodes in channel surfing, and I remember this night still to this day, because I remember how fun it was to do the hotline that night, you know, and I remember a lot of feedback as well. So if anybody out there is a newer fan and you say to me, hey, DT, you know what Attitude Era Raw episodes you recommend? I would recommend this week from 2000. You watch it from start to finish, in my opinion, a pristine example of when you hear that back then everybody had a good storyline, even the lower card people on the card had a good storyline. This episode is a great example of it. And, you know, just a lot of little skits as well. Some interview segments. There was so many things that went down this week in 2000 that was so entertaining. And you factor in a few other things as well that took place this week. You had Sunday Night Heat the day before S.A. Rios over Gilbert to win the Light Heavyweight Championship. And that would end up being the debut of Lita, who was the valet for Papi Chulo. So now on Monday Night Raw, let's share a couple of clips for your enjoyment. First off, we had Kurt Angle who was supposed to wrestle Mark Henry. Now, we're right smack in the middle of the storyline where Mae Young is pregnant with Mark Henry's child. So Mark Henry basically tells Mae Young, listen, you're pregnant. Don't go anywhere near the ring and blah, 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 blah. So we have Kurt Angle versus Mark Henry. Sure enough, Mae Young does come down to ringside. Something happens. We're all watching it, wondering if she's okay. Storyline, is she going to lose the baby as a result? And as you will hear, not only was Mae Young okay, but all she thought about wanting to do was show everybody her puppies. I come out here and offer my services to be your sports hero. Thank you. Thank you very much. But tonight, I'm not going to do that. What? Instead, I would like to talk about my opponent, Mark Henry. You see, Mark may think that we're a lot alike because we were both Olympians, but that's where the similarity ends. As I won Olympic gold, came to the WWF, and embarked on an incredible undefeated streak, 
that shocked the whole entire world. Mark Henry's greatest accomplishment was impregnating an 82-year-old woman. Congratulations, Mark. He underestimated the and age. although that may have required a lot of intensity, I don't even like to think about it. Yeah. It definitely lacked integrity and intelligence, if you know what I mean. And while impregnating elderly women and living in sin may be acceptable to Dallas, Texas, <laughs> it is not acceptable to your Olympic hero. What is he, is a, it is not a sermon. Well, he's on a box of Wheaties. You think any Dallas Mavericks or Stars are on a box of Wheaties? You think Mark Henry's ever been on the cover of a box of Wheaties? I don't want to give it all. Well, here comes Mark Henry, 1996. Yeah, uh, Representative of the weightlifting of the United States, strongest man in the world is Mark Henry. In the world. But he's got May Young pregnant. I knew there was going to be trouble there when, when they first started going out. And I saw a pair of edible defense. Mark's bedroom floor. Folks, we're going to give you some uh, very quickly here. Some on sale ticket information this Saturday. And uh, in regard to that, Milwaukee went on sale last Saturday. Sold out in 29 minutes. Los Angeles Staples Arena went on sale last Saturday. Sold out in 11 minutes. And this Saturday, tickets go on sale in Rochester, New York. And I promise you, they won't last long. And here, here we go. Are. Edible depends. I heard you. You got the same reaction you deserve. Nice takedown by Kurt Angle, who's got a, a huge mountain to climb here in the Somewhere around 400-pound Mark Henry. Angle is uh, going to have to use his leverage and his, uh, oh his skills. Oh, my God. Look at that. Oh, oh, Raw strength and power by the world's strongest man, Mark Henry. Look at this. Locate his Olympic shoulder. And look at the size and the, the girth of Mark Henry. Yeah. Oh, running power slam. This is going to be it right there. And Angle, he squirmed out of that, that three count. Got both shoulders yeah. off the canvas. He squirmed out of the squash. I thought he was squashed. Oh, no. Look how strong Mark Henry is scooping Angle up. Like Angle was a, a lightweight, and he's not. Oh, great elevation, great athleticism by a 400-pounder. There's a cover. And the oh. tail, another, another near fall. I don't know if Mark Henry's uh, showing off for this Texas crowd because he's from Texas or if he's showing off for his pregnant wife. I just hope that that Cactus Jack can find him some, some four partners tonight, or Cactus Jack is going to be decimated and eliminated oh, no! on a power bomb by Mark Henry. And here going for another cover. Wow, an angle, but you saw that left shoulder come popping off the canvas there. Very close. We still have Chris Jericho defending the Intercontinental title tonight against a close to 500-pound man in Viscera. But May Young is really loving this. Angle has got only one pinball loss. And Mark Henry got a little bridge. And all 400 pounds of Mark Henry went right on the top rope, right to the concrete floor. Hey, wait a minute. Oh,
himself in the mirror after what he has just done. This may put her into labor right here, right now. I can't. This is shocking. Zero air pass. Take her teeth out. Very young is Mark Henry, obviously very distraught at this moment. And you see the MTs uh, taking May out of the uh, out of the arena here. Get some medical attention. Uh-oh. May, you all right? Mm-hmm. How's the baby, man? Mm-hmm. Yeah. May, well, okay, May. Okay, it'll be okay, okay. Just Are you all right? Yeah. Mark, yeah. you know I don't like it on my back. I like it on top. Besides, oh everybody here wants to see my puppies. Please let me. My puppies. Little funny thing as well, if you actually watched it on TV, while Mae Young is being treated in the ring, they do a camera shot in the back of The Rock entering the building and the crowd went bananas. And it's funny when you think back at it and Jerry Lawler is saying, wow, you have a, an 82-year-old woman in the ring who might have just lost a child and the fans are going nuts for cheering for The Rock. It, was, it really was pretty funny. But so there's your first clip. Now, another one. Um, Chris Jericho was wrestling Viscera this night. Nothing earth shattering, but I figured I'd just share with you a quick random promo from Jericho at this time. Here's Chris Jericho cutting a little promo on Viscera. Welcome to Tonight, I have to wrestle Big Viscera. But I, I gotta be honest with all the Jericho-holics tonight, I'm a little bit intimidated, as anybody would be if you had to face the love child of Mr. T and Fat Albert. <laughs> but I gotta warn you, Viscera the Hut, I pity the fool who messes with Y to I pity the fool. And the reason why I had to mention Viscera is because the spill that nobody ever t- talks about took place also on this episode. You know, we always remember when Vader came back for the very short period of time at the end of his career, God rest his soul. Jonathan Coachman brought him at ringside and Vader slipped on his ass. I remember people replaying that on the net over and over and over again. It was hilarious, but you felt bad for the guy. Well, during a match between the Hollies and the APA this week, Viscera took a massive spill. Have you ever heard anybody talk about that? Have you ever seen anybody make little memes of it and stuff? It is fucking funny. You see Viscera take the spill. And I just, for the life of me, don't understand how that didn't become an infamous meme. And I'm sure some of you out there remember it. You know, I'm not saying that nobody ever talked about it, but it was fucking hilarious. So let's flash back this week in 2000 as well. The Hollies versus the APN hardcore match. And as you will hear from Jim Ross, this is the time where they first set up the Acolytes Protection Agency. 
Cousins in a hardcore tag team matchup against two of the roughest, two of the toughest you'll ever see in the Athlons. Well, the Hollies think they're big the bad. They made a the big mistake now. Qualification falls count anywhere. Where are these guys? Concession stand. They're, they're the concession stand. I love this. Rats are going behind. Uh oh. It's bad. That didn't look good. That didn't look good for a hardcore Holly. Anything is legal in this. No disqualifications as we mentioned. Grab one of those idiots there by the ankles and hit him with that guy. That's how. Ben Bradshaw's got a cold beverage, and Farouk, Farouk is drinking right out of the tap. Oh! oh I think uh, he just got hit with a bottle, right in the head with a bottle. Did Farouk by hardcore Holly. He liked it. Now Holly Lee advantage hardcore on Farouk hammering away. And Bradshaw having his way with Crash behind the counter. Like Cotton Candy. Well, Cotton Candy ain't going to hurt nobody. But that will, that metal can right in your face will dim your running lights. You're gonna pay for this. Have you seen what they charge for cotton candy here? Oh, shot there. Bradshaw retaliates for his partner Baruch on hardcore Holly. JR, I don't like the Holly's chance. Oh man! That's a shot right out of the bottle. Hardcore to get the acolytes. That looks like JD number seven. Uh oh, what's this? Oh God! What's what's going on? Oh, there's there's Vince, Vincera, Vincera slipping on that beer. Oh, and this nail! He just hit Bradshaw with a two by four. He broke it over his back. Bradshaw got a two by four, broken right over his back. in a hardcore tag team matchup. Now wrapping up WWF Raw from this week in 2000, we're now one week removed 
from the Radicals making their debut. Now, unfortunately, Eddie Guerrero would break his elbow doing a frog splash the week earlier, I believe, on SmackDown. So he was unable to wrestle this week in 2000 on Raw. So they did a little storyline on television. Remember, it was Cactus Jack that actually invited them to Raw. So they turned on Cactus, and they signed with Triple H. So later on in the night, it was supposed to be five-on-one. Triple H, X-Pac, Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, and Perry Saturn versus Cactus Jack. Well, Cactus Jack would end up getting four partners in the match. One we found out rather quickly, and I'm going to share with you right now a uh, funny promo that The Rock cut earlier in the night. Not only announced that he would be in uh, in the match with Mick Foley, but just cutting some random promos on Kevin Kelly and others. Funny, funny shit. This week in 2000. Rock, I've got to ask you a few questions. First and foremost, we know you have a date with the big show coming up at No Way Out. The winner of that contest goes to WrestleMania to battle for the WWF Championship. A question we'll also answer at No Way Out is who goes to WrestleMania as the champion. We found out earlier tonight, Rock, that Cactus Jack... Kevin Kelly, The Rock, says this. You ask The Rock about WrestleMania. You ask The Rock about No Way Out. You ask The Rock about Cactus Jack. Well, let The Rock ask you a question. Have you ever had any pie? Yeah, Rock. As a matter of fact, I had a piece of apple pie earlier this afternoon and it was very delicious well it looks like you've had more than one piece of apple pie obviously kevin but the rock's not talking about apple pie the rock is talking about poontang pie well rock i don't mean to brag but you know come on i mean you're talking about me here as far as whether or not i've had a piece of poontang pie before in my life i mean come on that's don't lie to the rock You have never had a piece of poontang pie. But The Rock says this, Jabroni, today is your lucky day. Because over here to the right, The Rock has your very first piece of poontang pie. Thanks, Rock. I really appreciate that. Now shut your mouth, know your role, don't move your head. The Rock says this. The question was asked is who is the champion at WrestleMania going to face? Is it going to be The Rock or is it going to be The Big Show? Well, that's not the question. The question is, is who is The Rock going to face at WrestleMania? Is it going to be Triple H or is it going to be Cactus Jack? One way or the other, The Rock could care less. Because you see, Big Show, do you actually think that you're going to stand in the way of The Rock at WrestleMania? Do you think you're going to stand in the way of destiny at No Way Out? The Rock says this, Big Show. The Rock was meant to go to WrestleMania. The Rock was meant to electrify the millions and millions 
of Rock's fans. And Big Show at No Way Out, The Rock says he was meant to take his big right hand, slap the fat off your ass, and give it back to you. Is Poontang Pie boring you, Kevin? Are you a little kumsi kumsa? Well, The Rock says this. You just sit there and you enjoy the Poontang Pie. It's going to be a long time before you have Poontang Pie like that again. You'll thank The Rock one day, Jabroni. The Rock says this. Now, on to tonight. Cactus Jack, you got yourself in a situation where it's five on one. Well, The Rock says this. Tonight, your situation is not five on one. It's five on two. in a rock. That's, ah. that's over to, that ain't rocking, Saw King. Well, what a match that's going to be with his 502. It's going to be the rock and Cactus Jack taking on DX. DX, the rock says he's kicked your candy asses for years. And on to the radicals. On to Benoit. On to Malenko. On to Guerrero. On to Saturn. On to Pluto. On to Neptune. On to Uranus. Oh, it doesn't matter what your names are. The Rock says this, is let The Rock welcome you to The Rock's world in The Rock's way. You want to brag about your contracts? Well, The Rock says this, all you four jabronis, take your little contracts, roll them up real nice, put rubber bounds around them, turn them some bitches sideways, and stick them straight up your candy ass! If you smell what the rock is cooking. The rock and cactus jack. That's two. And then finally you add the match itself. You know, it's funny. You look back at too cool. I have people still ask me to this day, would they have been popular if they debuted in this time period in today's wrestling. And I would say absolutely yes. You look at nights like this, they were massively over. Were they main eventers? No. But this was a great way to show that they can be involved in a main event match. Nobody complained. In fact, I'm not going to lie, I forgot to pull the research for the quarter hour rating for when this match went down. But all I remember at that time, especially bringing up on the hotline, was how huge that quarter hour rating ended up being for this match. So here you go. Let's flash back finally one more time for Raw 2000. You have Triple H, X-Pac, Benoit, Saturn, and Malenko uh, versus Cactus Jack, The Rock, Rikishi, Grandmaster Sexay, and Scotty Tuhati. And at the end of the match, we actually would have the return, a surprise return. And just listen to the pop this person gets when he makes his return. Are you ready? And here we go, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? I wonder if The Rock and Cactus Jack are ready. It's going to be two men, The Rock and Cactus Jack against five. Triple H, X-Pac, Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, and Perry Saturn. 
two members of DX, three members of these radicals. What is this suicide, JR? I mean, the rock, what, what in the world is a rock thinking? Well, the rock's got a lot of integrity, he's got a lot of character, and I think he just, he likes a good fight. Well, I like the rock as well as the next guy. Federation champion who will meet Cactus Jack in 20 days at No Way Out. And he'll be ending the long, well, I guess it's kind of long, illustrious career of Cactus Jack. Cactus Jack has been entertaining fans for 15 years, but Cactus has got to win the title at No Way Out or he must retire. Their partners being accompanied by Eddie Guerrero at a combined weight of 689 Jack has always had a dream. The main event at the biggest event in the business. That's WrestleMania. And that opportunity certainly exists. Yeah, but Darren, what about the dream of these guys? These radicals, as you call them. Their dream came true. They've now got contracts here in the World Wrestling Federation. They do. What kind of money you think they got there? Big money, huh? But the way they had to do it, King, just makes me sick. On his way out here. Oh. And the Raptors are rattling in reunion. That's it. That's big. Oh, please look at that. There's 70 men that showed us on the ringside, and the matches are going away. That's one thing to do. It's supposed to be a tag team match. Sexy kept connect with a knee drop, and there's a tag. Here. 
Saturn in. Oh, look at it. It's a power slam. And Grandmaster Sexay tagging his tag team partner. Scotty, too hotty, or too cool. Oh, my gosh. come out here and cross the boss, King. And that's what Too Cool and Rock Keys are going to do. Oh, man, oh, God. And they're going to pay for it. All three of them. Sometimes guts are bigger than brains. Oh, no, Stephanie. Don't, don't watch this. It's, it's, uh, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. What, what the hell is that? It's obscene. It's the worm. The what? Scotty Too Hotty with the worm on, on Perry Satter. Shot to the back by Malenko. Oh, oh, wow. Double underhook, belly to belly, suplex by Gary Satter. Yeah. And another tag now to the to the veteran Dean Malenko. Malenko now in with Scotty Too Hot. Nice heel kick by Malenko, knocking down Scotty Too Hotty. And now what is a 10 man tag team matchup live here in the Sending Rakishi into the turnbuckle. No back, and Rakishi, over 400 pounds, running right through Dean Malenko. And that's just his left butt cheek. Oh, no! Big mistake! Look out! Get him on here! about to drop all that, that posterior right in the Malenko's face. And there's been one! Oh. Benoit got the tag, came here like he was shot out of a gun. Until he got planted. Benoit going for a suplex. Oh, oh, shot to the back of the head. And there, oh, 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 Benoit got the suplex.
tag, he's in. Oh no! Swinging that record by Cactus Jack. That's Pop. There. Come on, it's Pop! Cactus has got to make the tag. Cactus 
Triple H taking it to Cactus on the other side of the ring. Triple H and Cactus both at it. They're going at each other. And this damn cheer not over. There's going to be no way out. Come on, Triple H. Inside the hell of the cell, I can tell you that. This is a war. This is carnage. This is carnage. Hey, look at that. It's the outlaws. It's the outlaws. And they got weapons. Stephanie, I promise. Who is that? What? What oh, no! Look at that. Paul Bear! Paul Bear! Paul Bear is fine! Oh, my God! Oh, my God! Tori, come here! Paul Bear is fine! Tori, come here! Tori, come here! Get down! Get down! Kane! Kane is back! The big red machine is here! Now, on the WCW side, not much memorable went down with the exception of one thing. You know, Scott Steiner now, you know, building a legacy as far as his promos as, you know, the big bad booty daddy in uh, WCW. And this week on Nitro was the infamous promo, which fucking made WCW management irate. In fact, if I remember correctly, didn't he get suspended for like a week or two over this? But on Nitro this week, this is what Scott Steiner had to say, not only about Nitro, but about Raw. Oh, no. This really scares me, Tony. As you can see, when Big Papa Pump comes to town, all my hooches... Come around. But it's just a damn shame that we had to leave LA and come to this cesspool called Tulsa. But last night when I was kicking it in the bootio, proving that I was the daddy, that I was the king of the night. <laughs> but I'm not one to brag. Madeja, Kim. Why don't you tell me what it's like to be with the Purple Warrior? The what? Papa Pump, you're not just any man between the sheets, honey. Kim, why don't you tell him what he's really like? Oh, that's right. Big Papa Pump's not any just... He's our Superman. 
You're damn straight. So this goes to all my freaks out there. Big Papa Pump is your hookup. Holler if you hear me. He's right about Tulsa, Tony. You know what you get when you spell Tulsa backwards, don't you? Uh, I'm done. No. No. I don't. Think I, about it. Okay. Now, last week, I was watching TV, and I watched a 53-year-old man come out here who has more loose skin than a Sharpay puppy come out here and say he's still the man. I seen Ric Flair, number two, the nature boy, come out here who's been the butt end of all the jokes because he's supposed to be the limousine riding jet flying son of a gun but I'm saying one time you should have took a cab and used that money to fix your crooked yellow teeth so I had to ask myself if WCW was gonna hire the nature boy number two why would they hire the nature boy the original nature boy Buddy Rogers now, I don't know that Buddy Rogers is dead, God rest his soul, but Ric Flair, your career is dead. And I know as he lays six feet under, he's still styling and profiling, because when you used your little brain and stole his name, there's one thing you couldn't steal, and that was his class. So when you walked down that aisle last week, I know I wasn't alone because the people at home, all they did was grab their remote, change the channel to the WWF, and watch Stone Cold, a person you and your old friends got fired from here because you're a jealous old bastard. So, Ric Flair, remember this. In this wrestling business, there's never been a bigger ass-kissing, butt-sucking bastard in this business, but also in life, you're the biggest ass-kissing, back-stabbing, back butt-sucking bastard. And you belong where you're at in WCW, because WCW sucks. 2002. Sorry, this is just my opinion. One of the biggest travesties ever in the history of pro wrestling. Maven wins the hardcore title over The Undertaker. Yes, I remember the storyline. Yes, I remember The Rock's involvement. There was always interference in hardcore matches. But still, I was never a fan of Maven. Nothing personal. But yeah, that title change went down this week in 02. Also this week in 02, we've covered it before. It was the infamous pose down competition the participants were Stacy Keebler and Tori Wilson versus Billy and Chuck. They did a pose down. Funny, you know, you go in WWE Network, they rated sexual content. It wasn't all that bad. I will always remember Tori Wilson. I guess she must have forgot her shoes. Look at the shoes that she's wearing. Just look how big those shoes are. That's all I need to say. 2003. You know, and we look back at the early days of Ring of Honor. You've heard me on other shows talk about how back then Ring of Honor used the wrestling promoter's license of Frank Goodman because they couldn't have events in New York. Ring of Honor, well, it was this week in 03 that Ring of Honor had their first year, one-year anniversary show. 
from Queens, New York at the Elks Lodge. And yes, that was presented by USA Pro Wrestling. Easy Money defeats Chad Collier, Cole Cabana, and Michael Shane in a four-corner survival match. The Texas Wrestling Academy over the Carnage crew, Jay Briscoe over Mark Briscoe. Homicide loses to Steve Carino. You had the Outcast Killers and the Ring Crew Express fight to a no contest. CM Punk over C.W. Anderson. Brian Danielson over Samoa Joe. Paul London over AJ Styles and Loki to win the number one contenders trophy. Xavier over Paul London to retain the Ring of Honor Championship. And the Hit Squad, Divine Storm and the SATs, along with Mikey Whipwreck, they defeat Special K in the tag team scramble match. 2006, Wrestling Society X tapes their pilot. Now, I have talked in great detail about Wrestling Society X and the absolute hypocrites in the journalism world of wrestling. Not talking about Meltzer, not talking about Vince Russo or anything like that, but the fucking hypocrites back then who totally did everything in their power to try to ban XPW from ever coming to the Northeast. As soon as Wrestling Society X came came down, they wanted to offer nothing but hand jobs. I still mention it to this day. There's two people in particular who are involved in Wrestling Society X that I met and got to know a little bit from XPW. And they told me back at that time, these motherfuckers who made our lives mis- miserable when they were coming to the Northeast, now they fucking want to give us hand jobs. Or give it, and they accepted it because they needed the publicity. They needed, you know, as much press as possible. And these sites were not... Uh, you know, hesitant in giving it. And Wrestling Society X was pretty damn good, without a doubt. Now, I always loved Chris Kloss as, you know, commentator. One of the nicest guys that I ever met in XPW. Funny motherfucker as well. Holy shit. And when I always told that story about the, the Xanax and all that stuff, true, true story. He was the one that let me sleep in his hotel room that night. No bullshit. He actually let me sleep in his room, which I will never, ever forget that. But anyway, this week they taped their pilot episode for MTV. Now, you know, they had some matches go down, but one in particular was the Wrestling Society X Rumble. It was to earn the right to challenge for the Wrestling Society X Championship on their next episode. It was a scramble match. I'm going to share with you now. I'm just warning you. You probably... Uh, I recommend you listen to this sh- this match when you're up and you're energetic and you like like energy. It's the best way I could put it. You listen to this when you're half asleep and half tired. Uh, <laughs> you, you'll see what I'm talking about. Fans, we're back in right now. Let's take a look at the WSX local rules. All 10 participants have drawn numbers. Wrestlers 1 and 2 start the match. Any new wrestler enters every 45 seconds thereafter. Once all 10 men have entered, the two contracts will be in play. Wrestlers are eliminated if they're thrown over the top rope and onto the floor. We've got tables, live electrical wires, and a steel cage rigged with explosives. There has never been a match like this before. And now, for something completely Determine the first ever press 
a former world champion, and makes an impact everywhere he goes. Here it is, guys. This is what it is all about. This is what we've been waiting for. He's got to be favored in this match. Oh, and look, it's entry number two. That's Teddy Hart. Hailing from the world-renowned Hart family, Teddy's been called the past, president, future of professional wrestling. And he's not even waiting for his own entrance. He just hit him with a bottle. That is going at it, bro. No, it's, it's on now. No, it's on now. Teddy Hart, of course, the nephew of Brendan Owen Hart, the oldest grandson of Stu Hart in the ring right now. And what a wrestling family he comes from. Yeah, Chris, he's third generation wrestling royalty, man. You're right. Look at the physique on the guy, and the athletic skills are incredible. Drop kick from Teddy Hart. Both these men have trained in the dungeon in Calgary, and this guy fans, as you'll see, the agility right there. Whoa, what a little inexperience as well. It's just incredible. Caught him with a flush kick to the jaw. Fans, don't forget weapons around the outside of the ring. We've got all sorts of explosives, tables, you name it, fans. This is unbelievable, though, bro. I mean, look at this. He didn't even wait to get called in. He just went right at Justin Crowder. Oh, look at Springboard Moonsaw. But they need to pace themselves, man. I mean, we still got eight more wrestlers left to get in the ring. Remember, the contracts do not come into play until all ten men have entered oh, the wait, ring. Here comes the third guy coming in. I know who that is. That's Chaos. Chaos, the longest reigning XPW television champion, is no stranger to the ring, bro. And Chaos gets laid out of immediately. Chaos, the victim of a two-on-one assault. Just incredible and hard. Just go right at him, bro. Dude, you know they don't even like each other, so I don't even know why they're jumping up on this guy. I well, mean, remember, it's every man for themselves, but once in a while you will see some double teaming occur. Oh, double clothesline by Chaos. Unbelievable. But look out, Teddy Hart still on his feet, and Chaos not on his for long, it looks like. Oh, oh my God. Chaos, part of a new generation of Latino-American superstar athletes, looks like he can use some help right now from his tag team partner, Aaron Aguilera. Dude, this guy is all business in the ring, but in between that, Man, he's all about partying like a rock star. And maybe last night's partying is catching up to him right now. This is gonna leave a mark. This is gonna leave a mark. Oh my god! Shooting star press from the top. Nice double team. And Chaos might as well be eliminated at this point. He's done. And here comes Vampiro. This guy is worldwide personified. A legend in Mexico. Vampiro has held championship titles all across the globe. Yo, this guy's a monster. He is quite an enigma, but what a force to be raking through. One of the biggest stars in Mexico and all over the world, Vampiro. Teddy Hart now fighting. Vampiro shots to the head. Forearm shots here. Look at Vampiro that size of slide. And Teddy Hart, both misses. Crashes oh. right into the turnbuckle. And down goes Chaos with a spinning heel kick. Oh, oh look out, no. Look Two out. Slam. Oh, there goes Justin Credible. Oh, heel kick oh from 6'5". Oh, 
my good God. You know what I like about Pac? He's an original member of DX. I mean, those guys were badasses, bro. They did what they wanted, when they wanted. They made no excuses and no apologies. I respect the hell out of Six Pac, man. He's a real gentleman. Yo, Brett, I think that's the first time the words Six Pac and gentleman have ever been used in the same sentence. with the wife every night. Oh, it's entrant number eight, Chris Hambrick. Hambrick's a southern wrestling legend who hails from Bristol, Tennessee. What is this? That's New Jack. New Jack is so unpredictable, he's been banned from every wrestling promotion he's ever worked for. He's been chasing Hambrick all over the building. I mean, the guy didn't even have time to change his clothes for the match. Let me tell you something, fans. The tension between these two runs real deep. Hambrick is what you call a good old country boy. And let's just say his way of thinking has clashed with New Jack many times before. And listen to this crowd erupt for New Jack. He is by far the baddest man in this ring. And New Jack talking some smack to Chris Hamrick. Hamrick in a world of hurt. One of the freshest men in the ring. Up and over the top rope. Chris Hamrick showing us how out. smart he is. Oh, no. And Hamrick is out. out. Oh, my God. Dude, I don't even know if he can walk after that, bro. And look at the eyes of New Jack. Dude, he's messed up, bro. Now he's out of the ring. Look at this. New Jack still lying. Chris Hamrick. The referee tried to tell New Jack. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, wait, the referee wait, 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 just wait. told New Jack he's been eliminated. It's this much of a blitzkrieg of insanity. Yeah, they're going nuts. And New Jack taking it upon himself to enter the referee in the rumble. What the hell is New Jack going to do? That looks like one of your guitars, Zach. Well, maybe not yours. New Jack playing a little tune of his own. Look at New Bring Jack. Bring it on, baby. Bring it on. New Jack. Oh. Music business needs. The referee's got to be dead. We need the EMTs right now to come get the official. And the WSX Rumble continues off the road. Goes chaos. And oh my goodness, what a huge power slam. And an elbow drop from Alcatraz. New Jack is not finished yet, bro. From the top row, Moonsault. How much punishment can one man take? The melee is getting insane now. Chris Hamrick still suffering at the hands of New Jack. Up and over, but Chaos holds on, teetering up off the box of live wires. Oh, Alcatraz gets hung up as well. Where is New Jack going? Wait a minute, Luke interfering on behalf of his friend, Alcatraz. He's not even supposed to be here. And look at New Jack. What the hell is he doing? What up, Billy Max Suplex?
suicide. He's a young guy. He's trying to make his mark in his business. He's going for it right away here. He, he is the freshest man in the ring. And he just, oh no, Vampiro, look at this, from behind. You gotta be kidding me. What the hell's going oh, on over here with setting up his own demise right there. But wait a minute. Six Buck with Vampiro's back turn. He's got the contract. Vampiro stomping. Use Suicide's head into those thumbtacks. It's going to be one of these men taking out Six Buck next week for the championship of WSX. Zach Wilde making his way down to ringside to get a closer view of the action as it's only a matter of time till this match comes to an end. But right now, as we see Six Buck go out with his contract, it's you suicide. Wait a minute, he's got a face full of thumbtacks. He doesn't realize that Six Buck has already grabbed the contract. Oh, no, 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 no. no. Suicide is out. He ain't even born. And now, just incredible inside the ring. And we need the EMTs out here right now. I have never, never seen anything like this before in my life. Oh, belly to back suplex. Oh, wait. Vampiro quick to his feet. And that just shows you right there how bad the guy wants it. Both these men have to be exhausted. I mean, remember, Chris, Justin was the first man in the ring. He's starting to pull himself up on the this left. This is it. This is for the fans. Both these men have been champions before, but they know, they recognize that the WSX title is the future of this great sport. Who's it going to be? It's neck to neck. It's like a horse race. It's it's Vampiro, just incredible. Six Pac back in the ring. It looks like he wants to have a say in who he faces for the title next week. Oh, Vampiro, Vampiro. Vampiro, Now, was the match spectacular? No, but it was entertaining, and the commentators made it even more, in my opinion. Now we cover a little bit of TNA against all odds. They had events 2007, 8, and 9 this week in history. Very quickly, the match results from these cards. First, 2007 from Universal Orlando, Florida, Universal Studios. Serotonin over Jay Lethal and Sanjay Dutt. LAX over Team 3D in a Little Italy street fight. Senshi over Austin Star. Christy Hemi over the big fat oily guy in a tuxedo match. Lance Hoyt over Dale Torborg in base brawl. AJ Styles over Rhino in a Motor City chain match. Chris Sabin over Jerry Lynn to retain the X Division Championship. James Storm and Jacqueline over Petey Williams and Gail Kim. Sting over Abyss in a prison yard match. The main event, Christian Christian Cage retains the NWA Heavyweight Championship over Kurt Angle. 2008, from Greenville, South Carolina. Dark match consequences, Creed and Sanjay Dutt over the Rock and Rave Infection, which was Lance Hoyt and Jimmy Rave. AJ Styles and Tom over BG James and Bob Armstrong to retain the World Tag Team titles. Tracy Brooks over Peyton Banks. Scott Stein over Petey Williams in a Feast or Fire briefcase match. You had James Storm losing to Eric Young. Uh, Awesome Kong retaining the Knockouts Championship, defeating ODB. Abyss over Judas Macias in a barbed wire massacre match. Robert Roode and Booker T fought to a double countout. The Motor City Machine Guns and Jay Lethal over Johnny Devine and Team 3. As a result, Jay Lethal won the X Division Championship. Kurt Angle over Christian Cage to retain the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. Samoa Joe, special guest ring enforcer. 2009 from Universal Orlando, Florida. 
Alex Shelley over Eric Young to retain the X Division Championship. P.D. Williams loses to Scott Steiner, Brutus Magnus over Chris Sabin. Awesome Kong retains the Knockouts Championship, defeating ODB. Booker T over Shane Sewell uh, to retain the Legends title. Abyss over Matt Morgan. Beer Money over Lethal Consequences to retain the tag titles. In the main event, Sting over Brother Devon, Brother Ray, and Kurt Angle in a four-way match to retain the TNA Heavyweight Championship. If you want to see the footage, you can go on YouTube. I played here. You're just going to hear just a lot of discombobulation, but surprises this many years already. This week in 2009 is the infamous incident with Chris Jericho in a parking lot after a WWF house show where he got into it with fans, overzealous fans. You know, all he wants to do is just get in his truck and leave. And fans were surrounding him. Yeah, you understand fans are going to do that. He's a fucking tremendous celebrity. Very, very popular. But some fans just didn't know where to give the space. He got into a little bit of a shouting match with a few of them. There was one guy with his wife, and it ended up with a shoving contest a little bit. The guy who was Asian claimed, I guess his girlfriend claimed that Jericho did a, gave a racial expletive or a racial slur, which was not true. TMZ picked up on it. WWF made a st- WWE made a statement about it. It was a fucked up incident, and I'm glad that they didn't take any action against Jericho because he really didn't do anything wrong. And, you know, you got to you see the footage. You got to f- put a lot of blame on the security as well because they were not doing their job. And you could see Jericho screaming at them, do your fucking job. Do your fucking job. Yeah, do your fucking job. I'm a tremendous fan of Jericho. But even if I despise Jericho, I would still say Jericho was completely in the right on this one. So 2010, we're going to wrap this up shortly. 2010, Bobby Lashley leaves TNA at the time to concentrate completely on his MMA career. And obviously he returned to TNA a couple of years later. You know, then now he's with WWE. The rest is history. 2012, WWE signs Chris Hero to a developmental deal. And you now know him as Cassius Olno. 2015, NXT has their TakeOver rival event from Winter Park, Florida. I wanted to play highlights of this so bad. I was very disappointed going back and watching some of these matches. And yeah, the Battle of Four Horsewomen was decent. And Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn was great. But for some reason, in preparing it for this show, I was just like, nah, I just can't get into it for some reason. If you watch the matches, you'll see what I'm talking about. But anyway, pre-show match. Uh, Big Kaz and Enzo over the Vaude Villains, Hideo Itami over Tyler Breeze, Baron Corbin over Bull Dempsey in a no-DQ match. You have Blake and Murphy over the Lucha Dragons to retain the tag titles. Finn Balor over Neville to become the number one contender for the NXT Championship. Sasha Banks defeats Bailey, Charlotte, and Becky Lynch in a fatal four-way to win the NXT Women's Championship. And in the main event, Kevin Owens over Sami Zayn by TKO to win the NXT Championship. 2016, you know, up until recent, still one of the saddest moments as far as being a contemporary wrestling fan, especially one who is a fan of Daniel Bryan. You know, no, nobody died, thank God. But still, to all of a sudden find out that Daniel Bryan is forced into retirement 
because of concussions, because of the issues with his brain. It was very, very sad. And, you know, we always poke fun at some of the over-emotional fans that are in the audience. You know, the one that I will always remember in a very lighthearted way is when Macho Man reunited with Miss Elizabeth when he had that match as the Macho King against the Ultimate Warrior. And they reunited and they hugged and all those women in the crowd were crying and Bobby Heenan's commentary making fun of them was fucking priceless. But some of the people who were choked up and had teary eyes during this segment, you know what? I have no issues with any of them. It was sad. And Daniel Bryan, this week in 2016, came out to television and announced that he would be retiring from the ring. Here is the segment in its entirety. You know, it's nice to look back on it and now realize that he was able to overcome to the point that he could return to the ring. I always tell people to this day, enjoy Daniel Bryan right now, as long as it lasts. No, there's nothing in the, you know, the future that would make you think that his career is going to come to an end quickly, but you never know. You never know. Now, one thing I will share before I play this At the end of this, which we didn't see originally on television because it carried over to the WWE Network, there was an incident between Vince McMahon and Titus O'Neil. And basically, you could go online. Titus has done interviews. Some people have talked about it. The best way I could just give you the Cliff Notes edition of it, when people all came out at ringside to thank Daniel Bryan and show appreciation, the whole roster, the McMahons came out as well. And when Vince McMahon... And Stephanie was starting to walk towards the back. You had the roster who was at ringside basically open the floodgates. They moved onto the side so the McMahons could walk by. So Vince McMahon was leading the way. And Titus, just very, very, you know, nothing big, just kind of like grabs Vince as a way to tell him, look, ladies first, let Stephanie go first. And Vince McMahon got pissed and shoved Titus O'Neil, and they suspended him. Didn't they originally suspend him for like two months, and then they changed it to like three weeks or a month? It was just really, really fucked up. In fact, it may have even been three months originally, and then it ended up being two. You know, yeah, you don't put your hands on the boss, and yeah, but come on, man. You know, I, I will always agree with Titus on that one. I'm still old school. Ladies first. Show a little respect. Uh, Vince, I thought was just way over the top with management suspending Titus. But you know what? That suspension opened up a huge, um, you know, just amount of popularity for Titus O'Neil, which he was not getting at the time. Titus has always been a good guy. Yeah, there was a little controversy at that time with his pee-pee and Twitter. I'm still blocked by him because we poked fun at it. But still, the amount of good that this man does in the outside, public speaking, just, you know, just really, I don't think sometimes people have a clue how much Titus O'Neil is dedicated to worthy causes outside of wrestling. Absolute role model, good guy, great ambassador for WWE, in my opinion. So anyway, this is not about Titus O'Neil, this is about Daniel Bryan. Here's the clip from 2016.
So just now, I was able to close my eyes and feel that. Like, literally feel it in a way that I've never gotten to feel it before because when we're here, we always have to keep our eyes open. But just that experience, uh, I'm literally, I'm never going to forget it. But now, but now it is time for me to address the giant elephant in the room. I know, I know, I didn't want to shave my beard either. But the thing is, is that I wanted to cut my hair, and once I cut my hair, I looked really silly with this giant beard. And this is just my one cheap plug, is that I cut my hair for an organization called Wigs for Kids. And one of the nice things about them is that they make wigs for kids uh, who have had cancer and they don't charge the families at all for that. So um, if there is anything worthwhile that comes out of what I'm saying tonight, that, that's it right there. Uh, but now to some less less fun stuff. So... Trust me, I don't want to be doing this any more than, than you guys want me to be doing this. But uh, the truth is, I've been wrestling since I was 18 years old. And within the first five months of my wrestling career, I'd already had three concussions. And uh, for years after that, I would get a concussion here and there, or here or there. And then it gets to the point when you've been wrestling for 16 years that um, that adds up to a lot of concussions. And uh, it gets to a point where they tell you that you can't wrestle anymore. And for a long time I fought that. Um, because I had gotten EEGs and brain MRIs and neuropsychological evaluations and all of them said this, that I was fine and that 
I could come back and I could wrestle and I trained like I would come back and I would wrestle and I was ready at a moment's notice if WWE needed me I wanted to come back and wrestle because this I have loved this in a way that I have never loved anything else week and a half ago, I, um, I took a test that said that maybe my brain isn't uh, as okay as I thought it was. And I have a family to think about, and my wife and I want to start having kids soon. That's what Bree says all the time. with a heavy heart and the utmost <sighs> sadness that I officially announced my retirement. But if there's, if there's one thing, so I, I've gone through all these complex emotions in this last uh, little bit. You know, I've been angry, I've been sad, I've been frustrated, I've been all of that. But today, when I woke up this morning, I felt nothing but gratitude. Because I have gotten to do what I love for nearly 16 years. Let me tell you a few of the things that I love, okay? Let me tell you a few of the things that I love. Nobody outside this arena or this city cares about this, but I love the Seahawks.
here's another thing that I love. I, here's another thing that I love. Right before my music hits, and it makes that weird sound right before it comes on, and when you guys react every single time, even if I'm tired as hell or I've been hurting every time, I get this weird little smirk on my face that's not like, but it just, it brings joy to my heart, and I, I love it every single time. Do you, do you know what else that I love? I love hitting the ropes and diving right here. It has made me feel like Superman. And your guys' reaction to that made me feel like Superman. I love that. Here's another thing that I love. Here's another thing that I love. I have wrestled in the parking lots of gas stations. And I have wrestled in front of 70 plus thousand people in New Orleans. Here's another thing that I love. I have gotten to meet the most amazing people on this planet such as somebody who looks like a monster but is the smartest man I know, like Kane. I have gotten to meet a man who has been my mentor and my friend for over 16 years in William Regal. I have gotten to meet children that are stronger than I ever thought anybody could be, like Connor. Grateful. I am very grateful. And I'm grateful because wrestling doesn't owe me or anybody back there. It doesn't owe us anything. WWE doesn't owe us anything. Nobody owes, you guys don't owe us anything. We do this because we love to do this. And then, it was strange because I did this because I love to do this. And then all of a sudden, you guys just got behind me. In, in a way that I never thought was possible. In a way that fans shouldn't necessarily get behind a guy who's five foot eight and 190 pounds. You guys got behind me in a way that made me feel that I was more than just me. And for that, I'm, I'm grateful. I am grateful because a little over two years ago, in this very arena, you guys, hijacked Raw. 
And they were trying to do a big championship coronation between Randy Orton and John Cena. They were combining... (laughs) They were combining the WWE Championship with the World Heavyweight Championship. And they had all the former champions out here. And this was going to be the most important match in WWE history. And you guys just wouldn't stop chanting Daniel Bryan. That's not why I'm grateful. Uh, My dad was sitting right over there where the guy with the goat mask with the Daniel Bryan sign is, is standing right now. And my dad got to see that. His, his son getting that kind of reaction from all of you people. And that was the last time my dad ever got to see me wrestle. And you guys made it special for him and for me and for my entire family. I am grateful. I am grateful because of wrestling. I got to meet the most wonderful woman in the world. who's beautiful, she's smart, and she completes me in a way that I didn't even think was possible. And that's because of wrestling. I am grateful. I am grateful because I get to come out here in front of what I feel is my hometown fans. I get to announce my retirement in front of a bunch of people who love me, right? That special moment that I had with my dad, I get to share this moment with my mom. With my sister. With my family with my friends. I get to share that with them. I get to share it with you. I get to share it with my wife in the back. I get to share it with all these wonderful human beings that I have spent the last 15 years of my life with. I am grateful.
Now, tomorrow morning, uh, I start. I start a new life. A life where I am no longer a wrestler. But that is tomorrow, and that is not tonight. And by damn, I have one more night to feel this energy and to feel this crowd. So if I could just get one last yes chant, I would really appreciate it. And finally, this week in 2017, Samoa Joe makes his in-ring debut on Raw. And for the WWE, he debuts defeating Roman Reigns. Notable birthdays this week. Those celebrating birthdays who are no longer with us. Happy birthday to Tatayoshi Fujitayama. I had to shout him out first because you don't know how much it sucks to do the whole list. Then you get to a name that tongue ties you. You got to do the list over and over and over again. Not fun. Anyway, happy birthday also to Classy Freddie Blassie, Sensational Sherry, Jim the Anvil Nightheart, Crazy Luke Graham, Chris Adams, Louis Piccoli, Hans Schmidt, Jack Reynolds, Mamet Suzuki, Cowboy Bradley, Espanto number three, Espectro number one, Alexis Smiroff, Bestia Salvaje, and Ted Gorienko. Tiger Chung Lee turned 71, Takashi Ishikawa, 66. Rusty Brooks, 61. Susie Spirit, 59. Misty Blue Sims, 57. Medusa and Poison Julie Sawada turn 55. Yuto Ajama, 53. Yuki Ishikawa, 52. Doug Gilbert and Kickboxer turn 50. Hiroshi Itakura, 49. Victoria and Tommy Dreamer turn 48. El Hio del Solitario and The Big Show turn 47. Hernandez, 46. Masakazu Imanari and Sayori Okino turn 43. Conrad Kennedy III, 42. Xavier Knight, 40. Shelly Martinez and Connor the Ascension turn 39. Kevin Matthews and Taji Ishimori, 36. Madison Rain, 33. And Bonesaw turns 30. Notable debuts this week in history. Eddie Gilbert debuted in 1979. Brian Clark in 89. Scotty Riggs in 1992. And Tori Wilson in 1999. And finally, notable deaths this week. Those who passed away this week in wrestling history. Fred Kimball died at age 91. Tony Olivas at 86. Bob Sweetan at 76. Walter McMillan at 70. Iris Jackie, 69. Chavo Guerrero Sr. at 68. The Swedish Angel and Salvatore Belomo died at 67. El Santo and Paula Kay at 66. Renato Torres at 63. Drew McDonald, 59. Bob Brown, 58. Bill Parks, 56. Tony Nardo, 51. Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning at 44. Tommy Rose at 41. El Cobarde at 35. Buzz Sawyer at 32. And David Von Erich died this week in history at only 25. 
And with that, I bid you farewell for this week. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at DonTonyD. The website, DonTony.com. Email me, DonTony at DonTony.com. Facebook.com slash DTKC show. Make sure you sign up on our all new Discord channel coming soon. Not only are we going to be taking calls, video podcasts on the other shows, exclusive chats and special shows for our patrons, and you'll be able to start gaming with DTKC as well. Challenge me to a game of maybe spades, Texas Hold'em, no real money involved, but guarantee you some bragging rights. That page is going to be the most interactive thing we've done yet with all of our listeners. Make sure you check it out. You can find the links all over the place, Twitter, our website, the synopsis for these shows. You'll find the link. Sign up our all-new Discord channel. Everyone, enjoy the rest of the week. I will be back next week with Season 2, Episode 7 of This Week in Wrestling History. Take care, everyone. Ciao. Support the Don, Tony, and Kevin Castle Show on Patreon. Get access to thousands of hours of back episodes. Get bonus episodes and exclusive shows. Castle Chronicles. Breakfast Soup. Pay-per-view recaps. DVDs. Miracuzzi. Tattoos. And more. Support the show that's entertained millions for over 16 years. Patreon.com slash Don Tony. Once again, Patreon.com slash Don Tony. New to Medicare? Start now. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, MyHealthPolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. MyHealthPolicy.com. I'm enrolling in Medicare soon, and it had me a little confused. Then I found MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, I could go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I could learn about plans in my area and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. MyHealthPolicy.com has made doing my research a whole lot easier. My choice, my Medicare, myhealthpolicy.com. New to Medicare? Start now. Go to myhealthpolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, myhealthpolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurer. Agent, myhealthpolicy.com.